Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Lovely story in the Star this morning, actually, talking about people, you know, trying to have a bit more of a green Christmas. And I'm not necessarily just talking about the colour of the tree or whether they're real or mocky eye. It's just that more and more people now are trying to reduce their impact on the climate of the planet. So in that regard, they're uh, cutting down on the amount of lights on the trees, in the hall, on the tree itself, over the mantelpiece. So they're cutting down on lights. I don't know whether people have done less outdoor decorations. You know, people do the front of the house and the gardens. They put up all sorts of stuff, putting... (laughs) putting serious pressure on the national grid. But that's what they're saying. They're also buying local more, apparently, uh, trying to reduce their carbon footprint. So that's an interesting one, making this morning star. Uh, But the lotto dominates much of the papers because they're trying to sort it out now that um, there will be a new rule that um, after a period of time, I don't know whether it will be three months or six months or whatever, that there couldn't be a continuing rollover over the jackpot because the chiefs now, the lotto chiefs, want to end this infinite rollover to ensure that the jackpot is scooped within a certain uh, period of time. How they do it, I don't know, maybe five numbers or whatever the case may be. Um, or I don't know whether anybody's talking about actually reducing the amount of numbers, but it's certainly a story that makes all of the papers today. Another kind of, and, and I suppose there's an element of tech involved in that really because of the machine and what have you. But if you look at the examiner this morning, it, it, there's a story that says the public are going to be urged to film reckless motorists. Now, when you read that, you think, What? Whip out the mobile phone when you're driving. But clearly it's not that. I imagine it has more to do with uh, dash cams, where the evidence then can be used. I mean, it happens all of the time anyway, because people share with me dash cam footage of idiots on the road, whatever the case may be, while they're also talking about other things related to driving. And that is a speed limit of 30 kilometers an hour in all urban areas. Uh, When you say urban areas, you'd be clearly talking about the city, the streets out, the roads out of the city, and also housing estates and 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 little the little satellite villages around the city itself. But you got to wonder whether thirty kilometres is too slow, or would we just get used to it? Um, I mean, try driving, say for instance, from the city centre out to Douglas at thirty kilometres an hour right now. You would get absolute grief from the motorists behind you. But if it was law, it'd be a totally different thing. But uh, public being urged to film reckless motorists. Don't think for a moment it's whip out the mobile phone and start filming while you're driving. They just want more of your dash cam footage, apparently, the Road Safety Authority. And then there's 90 million being invested, according to the Echo, in the Cork-Dublin rail line. And that would mean that it would reduce, and the goal is to reduce the Cork-Dublin rail journey to two hours. Imagine that with the better network or maybe better engines or what have you, and maybe improved rail, they could go that little bit faster. So um, COVID, of course, makes the newspapers too. They're also talking about a circuit breaker as to whether or not the schools should close to tomorrow, which would be kind of nearly a week early, I suppose, um, to try and maybe, um, you know, park or slow down any increases in COVID-19. They give you the cases in the papers this morning, the amount of people in hospital and what have you. But also, there was uh, some meetings last night, and there'll be more meetings tomorrow with Neffet and Cabinet, um, and they're wondering in the red tops today and the broadsheets, to be honest with you, whether new restrictions might be looming, because the government expects Neffet will advise that the NEFET will be advising new COVID restrictions for Christmas, I suppose. It's pointless speculating, really, because I don't want to engage in fear-mongering. But what kind of restrictions could they well be? Well, certainly I don't see anything to do with 5K or 20K or your own county or anything like that. It might have something to do, perhaps, 
with socialising or, or areas like that, but it's a story that makes the mirror say. But there's a pill on the way for those of you that are following, uh, you know, the vaccines and the boosters, and they call it a game-changing pill. I was talking about this on the air a couple of weeks ago. It's a Pfizer pill, apparently, and it's uh, it's like apparently like rocket fuel when it comes to, they say, when it comes to um, uh, COVID and, uh, you know, the actual virus itself. So that will prevent people becoming seriously ill from COVID. Uh, and we could have it here by the end of uh, by the end of the month. But uh, seemingly 40,000 people are predicted to be isolating and have their turkey dinner in their bedroom this Christmas uh, because of the fact that they will be testing positive and what have you. Uh, so that's the story that makes the independent today. I suppose that was also the case last year, wasn't it? But for me, the most disturbing and saddest story I've read in a long, long time is the death of little star Hobson, uh, whose uh, story and life and death is big news in the UK at the moment. And indeed, it makes the red tops here as well. Uh, and I, I want to just let you know that some of the detail that I'm going to give out now for the next minute or so is is rather upsetting. Um, bear in mind that little star Hobson died at the hands of um, her mother and her mother's partner, a bouncer, a same-sex couple. Um, The partner of her mother uh, has been found guilty of the baby's murder now, and uh, they actually show some of her uh, social media activity where she calls herself the world's number one psycho. But the injuries that small little tiny Star Hobson went through would absolutely break your heart, and her life ended at the end of 16 months. She was 16 months old, after a life of being treated as a punch bag. Now, on five different occasions, um, you know, social services were warned about this devil and that this devil would ultimately kill little baby star. And five different inquiries by social services in the UK ended up doing nothing. Um, A lot of the time, the couple said that the family members who were reporting them and talking about them were just engaging in malicious gossip, that they didn't like the fact that they were in a same-sex relationship. And all of this in spite of the horrific injuries that Star Hobson actually went through. And from January 2020 up to September of 2022, there was a catalogue of social services errors over and over again, in spite of bruising and injuries and, um, you know, calls to social services, in particular uh, from Starr's uh, grandfather. Uh, it's horrific. Perhaps you might like to read into it in some more detail yourself for I don't have time. But um, the injuries that Star went through and the video footage, actually, that the couple shared online. Um, at one stage, apparently, uh, the poor little baby fell out onto the floor um, from a, a high plastic chair. Um, and apparently it was videoed and they were laughing at it uh, and they shared the video of it. Um, the injuries to her body included fractures. She had a fractured skull. She had two uh, fractures to the right leg caused by forceful twisting, by all accounts. Uh, she also had bruising all over her body. Um, There was particular extensive damage to her abdomen and stomach caused by severe and forceful blows, either in the form of punching, stamping or kicking. They would come up with excuses saying she fell from the sofa in spite of the fact that police said that the injuries were more lightened, more likened to those of a car crash victim. I mean, it's absolutely horrid. Uh, And there's big questions being asked in the UK yet again, because this follows the death of another small baby in the UK, where the warnings were missed time and time again. Um, They also, she also was slam choked. Um, Slam choking, I think, is is actually a reference to uh, perhaps punching into the throat itself. 
don't mean to upset you because life is precious and that little life was um, just taken away from a small little baby and nobody was listening. Well, family members were listening. And then there's the examiner this morning has a, a story of a, a barring order that makes the papers today. Obviously, we don't have the detail of what's behind it, but uh, it's a barring order where the texts that this fellow sent to his ex-wife where he was saying things, I hope you'll die in pain. Uh, he was breaching barring orders across the, the summer with WhatsApp messages and, and voice notes that he was leaving. It was before Judge Olin Kelleher yesterday. Uh, he imposed a sentence of eight months, which he suspended for two years on the basis that this fellow can have no direct contact, any kind of contact, uh, save for access to his children. But he has to stay well away from his ex-wife because he was saying things like, go to hell, may you get AIDS, you will probably get it. He sent a text saying that she was an effing slut. Uh, if you go stay with your friends, he was saying, I want you to be in a hospital. I hope you get very sick. I don't want you to be alive anymore. That's a court report making the examiner today. And when relationships uh, go sour, well, they can do. And it certainly happened to Alec Baldwin. Apparently his wife, Hilaria, well, Hilaria didn't find this hilarious. You can be sure of that. She knew that her wedi- that her marriage was over when apparently in the throes of childbirth and the pains of labor, Alec Baldwin was present for the labour. He turned around and he told her to shush. He was on the phone, apparently. I mean, most men would never dream of making such an outrageous comment, according to the mail this morning. But he did. He told her to shush while she was in labour. And she says, when my husband told me to shush during labour, I knew at that point that my marriage was over. It's a story that makes this morning. I mean, that's... (laughs) I mean, could you imagine doing that, like... I mean, like, why would you even be on the phone? Why would you even bring a phone into a labour ward? Never mind reacting like that. And the way people react, I love Gino De Campio. He's a, an Italian chef and he's a cracking Italian chef. And he makes the mirror this morning because he says that um, there is no such thing as fussy eating children. He says, in actual fact, is idiotic parents who can't be bothered to argue with their kids about food. There's no such thing as a fussy eater when it comes to children. It's the parents who are at fault, he says. Like he says, if his daughter, if my daughter Mia refused to eat ravioli for dinner, she would find the ravioli served to her the next day for breakfast. He says, there's no such thing as a fussy child, but there is such a thing as a moronic parent. I'd love to get your thoughts on that with regards to fussy children. Apparently, according to Gino, you're giving in too easily. You need to stick to the plan. And if they won't eat it for dinner, leave them go hungry and give it to them again at breakfast time. The Neil Prenderville Show. Probably very good in theory, but may not work out in practice. So you need to have the patience of a saint. But have you been through it? Have you dealt with it? Are you going through it? Text 0868104106. And talking of things that we like to eat. The countdown is on now uh, to Christmas and many people are out and about doing the shop and getting everything ready, buying the presents and soon they'll be turning towards maybe already have the order in for the turkey or the ham or, or the spiced beef. But you ever wonder where they all come from? Well, I can tell you that a lot of them will come uh, from the East Ferry area of East Cork because there's a turkey farmer down there called Robbie Fitzsimmons. Um, and Seamus Whelan took some time out over the last couple of days to go down and talk turkey tactics and everything to do with the turkey that ultimately will make your Christmas Day table um, and it'll be nice and not overcooked. And if you have one of the little turkey poppers uh, from uh, Hickey's uh, DIY store down on Mailer Street, it will be the perfect turkey. But where's it come from? We've uh, just shot a 2,000 free-range birds in their house that you're looking into there now. They're nearly ready for butchery, are they? They're, they're actually going um, tomorrow evening. 
their cycle is now finished. Some of them, they range from 20 weeks old to 25 weeks in age. And would you uh, rear them here yourself or do you buy them as, as little chicks? We buy them as both six week old from Whitaker Poultry in Cork and we buy them as day olds from Whitaker's Poultry in Cork. Some of them come from the UK and some of them come from France. And they've been here since last August, Bank Holiday weekend. There's a lot of rearing in them, a lot of looking after them. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's, it's, it's a long, long process. We're uh, licensed by the department for free range. They must spend half their lives outside. They have been locked up for the last three weeks. We, we locked them up for two reasons this year. First one is because of the bird flu. And the second one is we lock them up to fatten. And when you fatten the turkeys, that's where the flavour comes from. And that stops them drying out while they're being cooked. What size bird would these be now? We have turkeys here that are, if you go back to the old pounds, right up to 24, 25 pounds oven ready. And we still have we still have plenty of customers for those, but not as many. There's probably 123 or 4 pound turkeys in the shed. And there's probably 1,000 turkeys, 4 to, well, 5 to 7 kilos. So that's the trend we've seen year on year now, the, the weight's reducing. And of course people don't like food waste either, you know. There's a, that's becoming a big issue that people are buying food and it's going into the bin. When they're being butchered, how far do they have to travel? Our, all our truckies go to, to County Mead for processing. And would that add to the stress of the, to the birds? Uh, not really, no. Look, the birds are well looked after, we don't overload them. Once they're loaded properly, and um, they travel very well, and first thing tomorrow, uh, first thing on Saturday morning, they'll be at 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 the processing plant, and they'll probably all be in the chill by 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. They'll leave here tomorrow night at 10 or 11 o'clock. And do you think they might be? They're aware that they're uh, they're they're meeting their waterloo. Uh, not really. No. Look, um, sometimes they they pick on the weeks in society in the shed, but this year it hasn't happened at all for some strange reason. But the very minute we'd see one lamb or one day we're maybe attacking or picking at, we take them out immediately to reduce the stress. But the truckies as a whole, once they're outside and they have lots of bales of straw hanging up, as you can see in, in through the windows there. There's um, they have lots of bales of straw hanging up and they have bales of straw to play on. They have there never without water, never without feed. I hear that some butchers may bring birds in from Italy and package them up as Irish. How do we know that we're actually getting an authentic Irish bird like the ones you have here in East Ferry Farm? Yeah, well, I suppose, look, that was a huge problem years ago. It, it was a, a, bit, a lot bigger problem years ago. There was an awful lot of Italian truckie around. The, um, the, first of all, if you want an Irish bird, buy an Irish bird on the bone and make sure the giblets are in. It's That's one security. The other thing is, look, you must, should have a good relationship with your local butcher. We've been dealing with the same butchers year in, year out for an awful long time. We've a big relationship built up with them. And hopefully they have the same relationship built up with their customers because it's all about um, trust. You know, we grow these in trust that the butchers will take them and hand them on to customers. The other huge problem we have is, is breast meat. Breast meat is becoming a major threat to what we do because it's produced cheaper across Europe and it's imported and some of it's even frozen down and defrosted and then sold as fresh at Christmas. When you said there, one of the key indicators is to look for the giblets. Why is that? A lot of the foreign birds, they don't put the, a lot of imported birds, they don't put the giblets back in because the giblets would be starting to go off in, in, in maybe the journey or it's just a tradition, I don't know, but we always put the giblets in and anytime we had a problem with a turkey, it's the first question we ask, were the giblets in the turkey? And nine times out of ten, they say they were. But look, it's it's part and past what we do. As I said, hopefully people understand that shopping local and buying local and supporting the local farmer 
you know, unless we go back and, and support the farmers and realise what they do, um, the next generation won't take it on because they won't make a living out of it. And how did it all start? I was fortunate enough that it was in my veins, I suppose. Um, my great-grandmother hatched turkeys with oil-fired incubators and she used to cycle to Middleton that time and buy the eggs and they'd come on the bus and she'd bring them home and leave them settled for a number of days and she'd hatch them. And then um, my late mother was very big into turkeys and she used to sell them, kill them, pluck that time. We used to take them even to the mart. I remember going to the mart in Middleton with my mother as a child, eight or nine years of age, and sitting in the canteen there with Marjorie, Lord Mercy Marjorie's dead and gone a good number of years, and she'd give us sausage and chips while we'd be waiting for our lots of turkeys to come through. And that time, they'd sell the turkeys, killed and plucked, as they call it, New York dressed, and we'd be hanging around the mart all day waiting for the lot to come through, and my mother would have 40 or 50 turkeys, and they'd be all hanging up in the cattle pins in the mart in Middleton that time. And then it rolled on from that and we went back, we gave them up for a number of years then after my mother died and then I went back about 15 years ago and I grew it from a couple of hundred turkeys to thousands of turkeys right now and now the big difference is, is that the turkeys are all processed, they're all ready for the oven, the giblets are in and they're all come back to us in bags. Like if you wind back the clock 30 years ago when we were young and, and more, 35 years ago, we'd have all the neighbours and everyone that could pluck a turkey coming hand plucking turkeys and they'd be hanging up in the sheds and even the butchers would come that time and they'd walk along, they'd pick out the turkeys they want and you'd get the scales and weigh them up and put them into a boot of a car. It's, it's changed dramatically. Yeah, it, and you say it's changed dramatically because quite a lot of the trend now is the turkey breast and people don't want the legs. Is, is that the... Yeah, that that, it's, it's a big challenge, but look, we, do, we, we have a good market and, you know, it's a shame to see this very high quality meat here and people saying they don't like uh, brown leg meat. Actually, the brown leg meat is the most flavoured bit. Breast meat can be very bland and very dry and I think we're missing the whole art of growing the turkey to eating the turkey you know and in between the the whole turkey on the bone is definitely for us is the most flavoursome I said the bone adds to that um, and it's a shame that people don't you know look up more recipes and do more with leg meat because it's a super part of the turkey and it's the most flavoursome believe it or not Lines open on 1850-104-106. I love Seamus's line there about do the turkeys know they're meeting their Waterloo. So it's interesting to hear that turkeys bullied other turkeys and they have to take the weaker bullied turkeys out of the big huge area where they keep all of the turkeys with the also the fact that they play on the bales of hay completely unaware of what's coming down the track. Actually, a couple of texts on that. Oh, no, Neil, the poor turkeys clucking away happy out on their way to being stuffed for next week. I know, I know. Uh, no, but seriously, if somebody else says, is there any acknowledgement at all that these are living creatures that certainly don't want to sacrifice their lives? Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Mind you, talking about eating things and putting on a few extra pounds, they'll be held to pay in January. And actually, uh, on that basis alone, Donny Dog, and always has an opinion. Hello, Neil. This is Donny here. How are you? Listen, a very quick one for you. This fella, he's way off a ways and he's very anxious to lose a few pounds. So he goes into 
the doctor and he says, Doctor, have you any miracle cure for losing weight? So the doctor says to him, I tell you know what you do, by. You eat Monday, you skip Tuesday, you can eat again on Wednesday, skip Thursday, eat again on Friday, skip Saturday. That'll work for you. So your man goes away and he goes back to the doctor in about a fortnight's time and the doctor says, Jesus, you're like an anorexic. You'll have to lose a load of weight. And your man says, well, doctor, to be honest with you, I thought I was going to die on the third day. And the doctor says, what, from the hunger? No, from all the shagging skipping. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I was talking to uh, Feed Cork about uh, 10 days ago and I asked them to come back and just to update me on their plans and they've just come back by text saying, could you give us a shout out today? We're on our 12 days of giving and Neil asked to give him a reminder. This is our second year providing Christmas dinners through the Desh schools across the city and suburbs and they get a lot of help from Brook Foods. They're a car company and they do fabulous catering and Kieran Callan is the owner and well done to him and all of his staff for coming on board with the uh, Feed Cork yet again. Uh, apparently uh, they've been supporting uh, Feed Cork particularly since the pandemic. Marks and Spencer are also on board and they've gifted them a commercial kitchen so for the 12 days of giving that will make a massive difference and like every other charity they can't have fundraisers this year so they're very much stretched and they appreciate all of the help. So Sharon came back to me from Feed Cork. Thank you Sharon to say that it starts today their 12 days of giving Christmas dinners uh, for uh, Desh schools uh, with the help of so many people on side. So well done on that. Now, some time back, four or five days ago, when the phone lines were all over the place, I was trying to have a conversation with uh, JJ O'Donoghue about his dad. Can, this, I need you to rewind in your mind's eye to 1975 when Merchant's Key was probably two-way and the 203 was simply known as the number three bus and went from probably in around Balafihan all the way to Farnry, I suppose, uh, and there was commotion on the keys. Now, it was at the time when you had two people on the bus, and it was, I think, I don't know, back in 1975, were there any women at all working on the buses? I don't know about that, but certainly there was a driver and a conductor. Now, John, I don't know who JJ's dad was the driver, and Pat Moynihan was the conductor. And then the phone lines got shocking bad, so I had to park the call, but I'm happy to catch up and pick up the call again uh, with uh, JJ, and we'll pick it up after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, so part two of the conversation. JJ. Hello, Neil. Ah, fair play to you. So apologies the last time, no but problem. it's good to catch up. So I've, I've teed it up now. All yep. of a sudden, they're driving up Merchant's Key, 1975, the number three. And there's a lot of people on the key. And you have photographs to prove this, including your dad soaking wet when he came out of the water. Go ahead. So, yeah, so I was just visiting my dad the weekend and we were just uh, looking at the photo again. So he was just, we were talking about it. And um, yeah, there was a bit of commotion and someone came up to the cab. He was the driver. And they said a woman had fallen in, or they said someone was in. So he told his, um, he told Pat Moyne and the conductor he'd go over and have a look. Yeah. And maybe to radio it in, because they just had the radios. Now on that's the bus. interesting, because the radios were only in the buses a couple they of weeks were, at that yeah. stage. Back to Capwell, is it? Yeah, so, and actually, my dad was telling me that one of the radio operators was um, the champ who is Michal Martin's father. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So the champ answered the radio then? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Pat Moyne was on the radio to him, so I, possibly it was him. I think it was, actually. And so he got back to City Hall because they were... They Who were the radio? The driver, obviously, I suppose. Uh, both of them would probably have operated it, I'd say. Yeah. The conductor and, like, you know, whoever needed to. But there was, yeah, it was... So in this, this sta- in this case, anyway, the driver of the number three radioed Hall Martin's dad... <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Or the conductor, I think it was the conductor, because my dad was the driver. So he Sorry, the conductor radioed me all Martin's dad. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, he, he went over to have a look at what was going on, and um, or he just he just jumped in. 
and um, he swam out to the woman and brought her back to the key wall. Or he's kind of an old fuss person, my dad. Yeah. So, um, and then he got her back in the crowd, helped her out. Um, and in the meantime, I think another passerby, uh, another brave fella, had jumped in as well. Um, and then he just carried on down towards Parnell Place because he couldn't get out there because they were helping the lady out. So he got out and he had her handbag with him. Um, and he got up the, the steps there with the key wall, apparently, placed and moseyed on back to his bus. <laughs> but it was the photo, which I put up on Twitter as well. That was, I, it's like we still haven't found out who took it, but that's the photo that kind of. Like, he's just he's so. just sauntering. He, uh, like, he saves the woman's life, her and her handbag, gets her out of the water, and then he saunters, soaking wet, that's back up Merchant Street, or Merchant Street, as if he's going for a walk. Yeah, and like if, if that photographer hadn't happened along, who we, we don't know who it was or it is. Um, like you know it wouldn't like the words like the story would still have obviously existed but like it really captures so much of that story you know <laughs> it's a fantastic photograph isn't it it is it really is yeah and we're sharing that on social media ourselves and all black and white also it was at a time when there was cars parked on the water side of Merchant's Key yeah you, you can know? see yeah and it's, yeah it's fantastic. And, and your mother then at the same time was working in the Arbutus, I think. Was she yeah, in Arbutus Lodge? Yeah, Arbutus Hotel. So she was coming back because it was like it was, um, it was an August evening, a Wednesday, I think, um, in 1975. So she was coming back home to Donnybrook, Collarwood, where we live, um, to, uh, from work. And yeah, she was just passing through and she saw like everybody was seeing all the commotion and she just thought, well, something's going on there, you know. So she, she saw it from the number seven bus. She would have been taking the number seven, yeah, that's right. And then when she got home, then she, I kind of mixed this up when, when I was recounting the story because I just threw it all up on Twitter. But um, she saw a double-decker come out of Calderwood because my dad got dropped home by another driver and she thought, yes, that's great now they're bringing them to double-decker Calderwood. Calderwood. Um, so it was only then when she got home. So yeah, he was dropped home and uh, he changed and went back into work. He went back to work. Yeah. <laughs> And have you chatted with them about that episode? I mean, we kind of knew about it. So, yeah, I was kind of like, um, I don't know, about a year later or so, they had an award ceremony. They looked into it and um, at City Hall and he was given um, a kind of a bravery certificate by the then Lord Mayor Jim Carr. And that, that we had that certificate hanging up at home, but I don't know if it was in Irish or Latin and like we always kind of knew there was something important. But to be honest, he never said too much about it. We knew he jumped into the Lee, but or he spent half his life jumping into the Lee as a young fellow as well. So, um, <laughs> Like uh, it was only when we got that photo that we put it up on the wall years and years later, the one I posted on Twitter, that kind of you know people would remark on it. Then you know visitors would say, "Is that you, Johnny?" Um, and then like the story like it would be retold again because like it really is so much is encapsulated in that photo, you know. And you get a good reaction to it then when you share that because I yeah, love yeah. that kind of nostalgia. Like he like I don't think my mum or dad even know who Twitter is, you know. So um, <laughs> and like I um, we've been on a few times before myself and Ellie, which uh, we we write tripe and Rasheen, you know, and we That's do right. a fair few profiles of people, but didn't really want to. I think that would be a bit the step too far putting that on tripe and Rasheen about my dad. But uh, I said I put it up there, and they didn't really know that I'd done it. It was just this Sunday, and yeah, it blew up. And like as one commenter um, said something like, "Oh, it's nice to see something positive on Twitter because so much of it is toxic." And um, yeah, it's, it's just spread all over the world. And in fairness, loads of people, especially bus drivers or sons and daughters of bus drivers or relations, um, you know, they commented on it or shared it. Um, yeah. So it is, it's a great story. And do we know. know anything about the poor woman in the water or does your dad know anything? Did no, he hear anything subsequently? Much, yeah, we don't, unfortunately. Like, he, he just literally brought her to the key wall and then he was, like, he was gone, you know, so... Um, 
And that was the end of it. He never found out anything more about the woman or how she no, was or anything. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she she was okay. Like there was a, there was a report in the Echo the next morning. One lad, Neil Murray, found that on Twitter. Um, they had to take carry the report about um, the incident. Um, just a very short news and brief um, to say that she was brought to the hospital and she was okay. Good stuff. Um, he saved her life. What a yeah. great story. And did he work all his life then with uh, he with did, CIE? Yeah. He was a bus driver all his life. He was on. Uh, he did a lot of school buses, country runs. He tried to avoid the city because of traffic. He wouldn't be great. Who is great stuck in traffic? So he did a lot of runs down to West Cork and Kerry. But um, he was well known. He was also a very uh, strong Sipu activist. So um, I'd say he was loved and hated. But uh, he was a great bus driver. Loved by his workers but hated by the bosses. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be well known in bus circles. But he's gone now a few years. uh, He's retired. Yeah, yeah. I often wonder, actually, I know we talk about nostalgia, but your dad will remember uh, the bus shelter on Patrick Street, not for customers waiting for a bus, but for the bus drivers and conductors themselves. You remember? At the statue, yeah. statue, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's languishing somewhere up in Fitzgerald's Park. In oh, some, really? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's, I don't know whether they're looking after it or whether it's abandoned or whatever, but it's very old and it's very historic because before it was used by the busmen, it was used by the early days of, um, of the fire brigade oh, way back in the early 1900s. That might be one for Tripping Machine to look into. Yeah, have a look at it and yeah, try. Because I was up in the fit, in Fitzgerald's Park during the summer trying to find it because yeah, I was told yeah. it was up there somewhere. Okay. But it got taken away from Patrick's. I don't know whether they thought it was an eyesore or something, but I loved it there. Yeah, you know? like it was kind of, um, that was lower growing up in our house because he'd be like two o'clock spare at the statue or like so much happened at the statue. Probably, I don't know, they were all avoiding getting on the buses at the statue. No, well, they took their little break there. They, they had yeah, a fag they or whatever. Or they, changed the, they changed the bus rolls or whatever it is they did yeah. back in the day. <laughs> and they'd catch up on all the gossip and read yeah. papers. And yeah, 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 yeah. Check it, check it out I at Tripe and Drashie. It's a great story in it, I would think. And uh, we'll be back to you with it. Will you report back to me? I will report to you. Cheers, JJ. Lovely Regards talk, to yeah. you and to Ellie as well. Lovely story. Take care. Text 0868104106. Lads, if you have nostalgic stories to share like that. And also, check out the story. We're sharing it um, on Twitter and on Facebook and things like that together with a photograph of his dad the one and only John O'Donoghue lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. my apologies for Owen Hennessy he's been waiting an age Owen good morning how are you doing Neil? Uh, I'm good and you know I've been talking to a lot of restaurants I've been talking to a lot of hoteliers and also those that supply them particularly people who are supplying would have been supplying an awful lot more food and say drinks to the industry with all of the Christmas parties cancelled their businesses have also been vastly reduced but from an entertainment perspective you're a booking agent is that right? Yeah I'm a booking agent I work for a company called Live Music Promotions there's two of us in the business our bread and butter I suppose would be would be the pubs of Cork uh, City and County uh, the likes of uh, one two three man bands that you see in your in your in your, everyone's local pub would yeah. typically see pre-lockdown um, so is it the case then that a lot of the pubs then go to you for a gig or an act as opposed to going directly to them you're like you're like the central hub for it yeah that be something that that would be a correct description of what we do uh, publicans uh, have a lot on their plate sometimes they don't like to be ringing around 10 different musicians for the coming weeks yeah We'd be able to simplify that for them by taking the booking. And do you and, uh, rotate the acts then amongst the different pubs so that they oh, get a good cross-section? Oh, completely, yeah. And we, we, we suit certain acts to certain pubs because, as you know, certain pubs have a certain type of atmosphere and ambience and certain music wouldn't suit, you know? Yeah. So, so have the lights been turned out on you then, yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously in the past two years there's been complete uncertainty and, and bad times, but it's just uh, what I'd like to talk to you today about is the most recent set of restrictions that came in really crippled us, you know. Um, we felt that during the, when the Jazz Weekend, if you remember, restrictions were lifted for the Jazz Weekend, yeah. just the, the Friday of the Jazz Weekend. We really thought we were back in action, you know. Yeah. Cork yeah. was hopping, Cork was alive with music, people seemed to be following restrictions, it seemed to be working. And uh, after that, we were just looking forward to Christmas, really, you know, with high hope. And there was a lot of bookings, was there? Oh, a lot of bookings came in. Christmas parties, um, corporate work, you know, uh, weddings, and as well as a typical pub, uh, Christmas in the pub for people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, sadly... The corporate stuff was the first to go. And did it go very fast? Like, was it over a couple of days? The the corporate stuff went before the restrictions were announced, nearly. I think people were afraid to have their Christmas parties. I know a lot of people listening now will be going, yeah, our Christmas party was cancelled. You know, that that was kind of across the board, you know? Yeah. Um, That's devastating for us because the guys you see in your local pub on a Saturday night playing the music, they're also the people who do the Christmas parties and the weddings and stuff, you know? Would a lot of them be full time, Owen? Yeah, there'd be a lot of in Cork. There'd be a lot of full-time musicians. Yeah. So what are they back on pop then? Is it, or do they ever come off it? Well, you see, the pop is a tough one because you, in order to get back on the pop, you will you will have had to have contributions for the four weeks before the announcement of the recent restrictions. So if you were, for example, last March went on the PUP, you were a musician. Let's say you went back to work. For the jazz weekend. Oh, for God's sake. Knocked and you off then. It, it, would, it, would not, it would have knocked you off and then uh, you would have had to have a certain amount of com- uh, uh, contributions. But to was there no special it. circumstances set aside for a scenario like that? A lot of the, a lot of the um, supports and things that you would have heard of on the radio and on the news for musicians in Ireland, uh, what they fail to say is they're, for, they're from the Arts Council, they're uh, for original musicians people writing and right. releasing albums. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of that money would have gotten to the likes of the Coronas and Mary yeah. Collin and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But the guys that you know that have entertained people in Cork for years, they have gotten zero support. You so know? what are they surviving on now at, a, at, at what would have been a very busy time? Um, uh, to be honest, it, 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 a lot of them are on, on, on job seekers but there is no support there. There's no specific support for these musicians, you know? So this would have been a time when they've been making big, big dosh and now, you know... Well, it would, it would be kind of one of the highlights of the year, you know, Christmas, Paddy's Weekend, things like that. And I'm talking, I mean, I've spent the past, as I said, two days cancelling gigs that have been cancelled due to these restrictions. And every, every musician I ring to cancel their gig, that's, that's another present for a child. That's another bill paid at Christmas. But what know? about the live gigs at 50%? Are you getting anything from that? These restrictions are just hurdles that they're putting in our way so we can't gig. You see, they can't shut us down. They'll, they won't shut down our sector because they'll have to give us support. So to avoid that, they're making it absolutely impossible to gig. Neil, would you go to a gig that you had to be home early to, that only half the crowd could go to 
It means there's no atmosphere, you know. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, well, I was at the Panto in the Opera House, and uh, they pulled out all of the stops by putting on three performances a day to cater for all the bookings. But the theatre uh, itself. But, but, but how about your evening, your your, your Saturday night in the Chine listening to music? That it's gone, you know. Your your the lights of your local pubs in the in the regional areas, like even in in East Cork, where I'm from, Carrick, Tool, Middleton. They're cancelling because of the fifty percent, are they? They're just not going ahead with us. They're, yeah. they're cancelling. And, and do you know what? The 50% thing, I was talking to a musician last night from Dublin. He's a popular musician, well-known guy. I don't want to name him now, but he told me that he was in one particular venue, which is a two-story venue. Yeah. And in order to make the 50% capacity, they just closed upstairs and squeezed everyone in downstairs. And everyone was on top of each other you know oh for god's sake so that went and against and then when he what? went into the toilet there was every second journal was, was taped off because you couldn't use that doesn't make any sense Neil like, that's you know? yeah that's I mean to those that are you know COVID aware that's kind of reckless isn't it well don't get me wrong I'm I'm not anti-lockdown I'm not anti-government I think the science is undeniable I think we, we have to deal with this but this doesn't seem to be any coherence in what they're doing for the, for the entertainment industry at and is, all. You know? And is this call just to let people know that things are tough and bear in mind I uh, just want to the cover band artists? Like I think you have your own band, don't you? I do, the Hollies, yeah. And you know what? We're, we have a couple of gigs. You know, we're lucky enough that uh, we're with Benny McCabe there. The, uh, he, he, he looks after us. We're in the Crane Lane for him this Saturday. And, you know, we're, we're certain venues... Certain venues in Cork, uh, I'll name a few of them if you don't mind. Yeah, please do. The Boron, they're they're really trying to keep it going. They're like to hell or high water. They're doing live music and they're doing gigs in order to support these music. Yeah, but is it? It's a case that everybody's got to be out. Is it half eleven, midnight? What? Oh, like it's it's twelve o'clock, but it's not. Everyone has to be gone at midnight. It's not. You have to leave at midnight, like the old closing time. Yeah, you have to be actually the off the premises. Has, the venue right? has to be empty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, who wants to go and enjoy a band under those circumstances? And do you think that um, with all of these meetings this week and another one tomorrow, Neffet are going to recommend more restrictions? Do you think that could be an early pub closing? What do you think? Tighten their stranglehold on our industry now. They'll put more hurdles in our way. They'll make it absolutely impossible to gig. And these, there won't be a single gig for us in January or February. Yeah, but I'm talking about this side of Christmas. Do you think that they might do something more? I really hope not. But you know what? I've, I've had so many, so many cancellations, so many diaries squashed. And the things about it, from a booking agent point of view, when you're booking gigs and cancelling them, that's twice the work for no pay. So Did I'm still working. Every day I'm picking up the phone to cancel guys. But I, I have nothing for it, you know? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I wonder will all of the cover bands come back then next year or will they decide, will some of them decide to just well, a lot of them, chuck it a in? Lot of them have, um, a lot of them have quit, you know? Shame, isn't it? A lot of the good ones too, you know? And it's a shame. And what they, the damage it'll do to the Cork music scene is irre- irreversible. Yeah. You know? And do you think like take, doing this to pubs where there'd be a controlled environment and everybody would be checked and distanced and everything... Um, is a bad idea because it might actually encourage people to have house parties. Yeah, but like people are going to have the house parties anyway, you know. The person who's going to have a house party during COVID and outside of COVID is going to have it anyway during COVID, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. These house parties are going to have it. They're not, they're not going to stop, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's Some tough, sort of leadership or someone designated to look... 
All right. Okay, that's fine. I lost the line, but I think we had covered as much ground as I possibly can. That's Owen Hennessy, the booking agent. You heard what he had to say. It's a tough time. Text 0868 104 106 and we'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Morning all. It's day three of our giveaways in association with Blue Haven Collection. And we've been giving away vouchers already for overnight stays in the Blue Haven Hotel. And then yesterday we had uh, wonderful... And everybody, there's three winners every day on this, which is great. Yesterday it was uh, three winners for the old... Uh, Bank Townhouse, the Georgian Old Bank Townhouse in Kinsale. And today, it's 100 euro vouchers. Three winners, as I say. Uh, and you can spend those vouchers in the Blue Haven collection. So that could be the Blue Haven Hotel itself, the, the townhouse there. You can go into the Blue Haven for food and eat and a couple of drinks for the 100 euro vouchers. Or indeed, you can spend it at Vicky's in Sunday's Well, which is the latest addition. You could have yourself one of their uh, bottomless brunches for up to six people. So today, three winners, 100 euro vouchers each when I open the phone lines just before midday. And we're mixing it up with regards to the Christmas theme. So today, as fairly straightforward, name the Christmas movie. Somebody's shouldn't present too much of a problem. I'll play that a couple of times between now and a quarter to midday. We'll have three winners. Call us 10, 11 and 12. I want to say thank you to everybody who communicates with us here by phone, by text, by email, by by letter, because God knows we get an awful lot and uh, it's not possible always to go through everything, but I do endeavour to do the best I can. Can I just do a selection of recent emails and topics that we've been dealing with regards to people who are finding it tough? This is a sad one. Um, Somebody looking for advice. She says, I'm in my 80s and recently divorced after many years of marriage. Now, that in itself um, is interesting, isn't it? In your 80s and divorcing. Uh, it's never too late. Uh, this gentleman, of course, wants to just get on with the rest of his life, albeit in his 80s. He says, uh, things haven't been good from day one, but we decided to stay the course for the sake of the children. In recent years, I inherited my family home, which I rented out. The income was to operate as a pension. Uh, However, my ex-wife persuaded me to transfer the house to her golden child, cutting their other siblings out. On the steps of the court case, solicitors in a private agreement struck a deal where a cash amount would be paid monthly to cover food and a few bills for my ex. Once the property transfer took place, no monies were forthcoming and then my wife moved in with child number one and issued divorce proceedings. I'm now on the other side of the divorce, living in an apartment on limited means. Don't know where to turn or what to do. Uh, Please keep my details private as I'm totally embarrassed with the entire situation. Now, trying to follow my way through that, of course, uh, is is quite difficult because we only have the bare bones that went on there. But you say on the steps, it says here on the steps of the solicitors, a private agreement was struck. So I imagine that it never actually went to court. Uh, what, what has your solicitor who represented you got to say about that, about where you find yourself now on the other side of divorce, living in an apartment on limited means, whereas you, you originally inherited your family home for whatever reason then you were persuaded to transfer it over to one of the children and now found yourself divorced and completely cut off. Um, I don't know if anybody else has an opinion on it, but I, I certainly would on the on the grounds of what has your solicitor got to say about it now? W- you know, particularly the fact that this private agreement 
um, where there should be money forthcoming isn't forthcoming. And if your solicitor isn't up to the job, would you consider going to another solicitor and getting more advice? Um, that's the best I can tell you with the information that you've given. But if anybody else is in a situation to shed some light that you might be able to help with an opinion or advice, please do. Text 0868104106. And on the topic then of, of people who, you know, we were talking recently, as always, about housing uh, on air and, uh, you know, people on, on waiting lists. And God knows there isn't a week goes by that don't get people talking about that. But John says, I feel sorry for the people you've had on air recently who are finding it hard to get accommodation. But I can't understand some people who are all, already struggling and then decide to change their personal circumstances all of a sudden and expect then to be put on a housing list. Like I work full time and I've had to buy my own house on my own. I pay my own mortgage, I pay my own bills, and I can't reach out for help or handouts like so many people seem to do. I'm not talking about genuine cases of people who need social housing or social welfare. I'm talking about the long-term unemployed who have never worked or never intend to work and are handed everything to them by the taxpayer. I again emphasize this is not aimed at genuine low-paid workers, single parents, etc., but I am talking about the long-term social welfare recipients we all know who are too lazy to work but have plenty of money to stand outside the pub most days smoking cigarettes and going to the bookies. It's so frustrating for me as a hard-working PIOE worker on a middle-income wage struggling to make ends meet at the end of the month to make sure every bill is paid. Sorry for the rant, but I wanted to get it off my chest, says John. And then somebody else got in touch to say, my daughter and I were in emergency accommodation for two years due to another family member's mental health. They had to leave the family home. They were extremely mentally and physically violent. It led them, eventually, daughter and herself, to move into emergency accommodation. Anyway, they were later diagnosed with schizophrenia and psychosis. The local authority gave us a property that I expressed concerns about. I, I was told my head is between a rock and a hard place and as I could not return home and my emergency accommodation had been stopped, I had to take it. I was in the property a few weeks and started getting flashbacks, bad depression, anxiety. I started interacting with the mental health services to get help and I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Politicians have been advocating on my behalf because I was told by the council to go out and get a job like everyone else, that I could afford uh, a HAP property and supplement the income myself. I had to leave my job, which was in which I was in for six years due to my mental health from being forced to live in this particular property. I was abused as a child on that property and I've since been put on the transfer list and given the same two-bedroom flat just a few doors up. I have two very young children. One is just a few months old. Every part of my life has suffered these past two years. I've been told if I don't move there, I will be left in this other property for a substantial amount of time. I can't understand how these decisions have been made on my behalf. They are ruining my life. All I want is a home to recover in. Meanwhile, there are plenty of properties that have been given out over the past couple of weeks that would have suited my family and I. I've been dragged down and finding it hard to recover. I don't know what to do and don't know if there's anything I can do. My life's been turned upside down by someone in the council and I'm being treated like a dog. Go here, go there, get a job. I feel like a victim and a pity for the past two years. I hope you don't mind reading this out. And then with regards to people in personal relationships that um, just um, go bad. You were talking recently, and this is when we were talking about the scourge and the plague of addictions on Lisa, particularly heroin, but 
it's an interesting one. I'm listening to your show about addictions and I don't want to come on air for obvious reasons, but I am the daughter of an abusive alcoholic. As far back as I can remember, as a four or five-year-old child, I'd always had knots and sickness in my stomach, trying to judge what kind of a state my father was going to be in when he got home or indeed when I got home. Whether he'd be violent or whether he would be remorseful, it could be one or the other. All my childhood, it was a cycle of violence and regret. I used to pray nightly that my father would just die. Forty years later, as an adult, I'm still in therapy. I can still hear and still feel the trauma. I understand now it was an addiction, it was an illness, but it doesn't make it any easier now to accept all these years later. I haven't had any contact with my father for 20 years. I've forgiven him, but I'm not forgetting. And a final one then, just back on the issue of of housing, and I think it's I'm trying to be as fair as I can to people who communicate about different topics that we deal with. I'm a single parent with one child and one teenager with special needs. Been on the housing list now um, since I was 17. I'm now 36. We've never once been offered a council house. We were given a termination on our last property that I resided at for over 10 years. And we are now homeless. We were kindly let stay in a friend's house nearby for the last couple of months so my children could still attend their schools. But my friend had to reluctantly move out for us to be here in our house. And my older son with special needs needs constant supervision. We have no stability with all our belongings still in storage. In all those years, I always paid my rent up to date, never a day late. I've always kept a clean house, never caused trouble. I admit my older son is a handful. He often has emotional breakdowns causing broken furniture or objects, or sometimes he might attack me. But that's not his fault, bless him. But now we're in a situation where my older son cannot be near neighbours, can't live near a main road, can't live in a town. We have no options. The council's solutions was to put my older son on full-term respite, which is not an option for me. I myself have severe fibromyalgia, resulting in my wrists swelling in pain and my knees pop out with pain. Can't come on air, but I am slowly giving up the fight. I am just exhausted from trying to be heard. I mean, that's so difficult on a load of different levels. In fairness to your friend, that friend moved out of their own property so you could be there with your family. And as you describe your son as a handful, uh, but clearly he obviously has uh, emotional issues that, uh, you know, you're struggling to deal with. And I mean, the whole violence of uh, a child who's growing up for a mother has been something we dealt with on the air in the past where they can have meltdowns. So I can see why you're saying exhausted from trying and nobody's listening. Uh, I hope by sharing stories like that and, and other emails like that, it helps people in some kind of a way, some kind of a restorative way. I'm not quite sure whether it does or not, but happy to read out your emails and text nonetheless. Lines are open, one 850 Back after the break as we go traveling for Christmas. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. All right, and so where will we go to? Well, why not go down to Australia, maybe to Perth, head into the home of Anne-Marie Keneally because her family back here in Ireland got in touch with me, give her a call and say hello. Anne-Marie, good morning. All right, let me see if I can fix that one. Are you there now, Anne-Marie? Let me see. Any sign? No, not happening. Oh, there you are. Okay, a little bit of fiddling around and I got you sorted in the end. Morning, or what is it? Nighttime there? Wednesday night? Oh, 6.20 in the evening. How was your day? I mean, uh, Christmas in the sun? What's, how's that working out year in, year out? Yeah, good. 29 degrees today, so a bit better than last week anyway. It was very hot. Everybody's thinking of you here at home? Particularly, you yeah. had a, did you have a child, little baby? 
My sister did. Your she sister? Yes. Yeah. Is that yeah. Levi? Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Levi and Ava. And who's down there with you? And when did you go? Um, I came out here in 2016 to two of my sisters. One has since gone home with her three kids. Um, and I came out here on my own to Joanne and her husband. Um, and then she had two kids since I met my partner, Jamie, out here six years ago. Right. Not long after I actually arrived. Right. Is he Australian, um, the same yeah. guy, Jamie? No, no, he's a Kilkenny man. <laughs> Where'd you meet? Um, in an Irish bar. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> yeah, I was working and he was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> How did that work out? You just you started chatting him up, is it? <laughs> uh, no, I think he was chatting me up, I think, for a few weeks and <laughs> kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt after a while. Yeah, okay. Tried to uh, maybe take a gamble on and it paid off. <laughs> paid off anyway, eventually, yeah. <laughs> are, you, and are you still working in the same pub or same place? No, no, no. That was, I wasn't here long and my brother-in-law said, oh, there's a start in a pub. So I said I'd go there to meet some friends, but I ended up meeting Jamie instead. That's amazing because um, a lot yeah, of people no. who go overseas for the first time looking for a new life yeah. or a new job start part-time in pubs and because it helps you to mm. find your feet, doesn't it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I met a lot of friends and yeah, no, it's good. It's good to get out there because it is very daunting when you come out first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was good. So we six actually were meant to get married last year or this year. Sorry, I heard that. Um, yeah. we to, Where yeah. were you going to get married? Was it here in Ireland? Yeah, yeah, we were getting married in Cork. Yeah, yeah. So that's been put on so the long we, finger for a while, hasn't it? Uh, well, no, we've we've deferred the date until so July twenty two. So fingers crossed. Ah, surely be to go. Surely be to got that to happen. Well. Sir. Yeah, surely. Now, everybody back at home misses you, and they also miss mm. little Levi because uh, all they can do is see on video and, and Zoom and yeah. live streams and what have you. And I know that didn't, um, did your, was it, it says here that their nan and their aunt passed away. Was it your nan or your aunt? Yeah, my, my auntie passed away and my nan passed away four weeks oh, later. Oh, so, two yeah. different deaths in the family. And was that, so you're yeah. watching it on a stream over in Australia, are you? Yeah, we did. We we watched um, Nanny's funeral on, on, on live stream, yeah. It was tough. It, like, it, it's something that you wouldn't ever really imagine. I, um, I suppose we've been very, very lucky over the last number of years that we've been here, me and Joanne, that we hadn't had to luckily deal with any grief. So that was strange this year. So you must so, feel very disconnected at a time like that, you and yeah, Joanne, do you? Yeah, you do. You know? Yeah, you do. I mean, even when we were watching it on on the TV, it was just really, really strange. And you do feel so disconnected. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you don't feel, you don't feel the grief because you live in such a bubble here. Um, it's not, not a real was, sense of closure for somebody overseas like no. that, so there's not? Yeah. You know? No, no. It was, it was hard, especially with, with our mom. Like, I mean, she... She's so good to us and she's so good to everyone and even just to get in touch with yourselves for us even after everything she's been through. I know, I know. You know and uh, had you planned on a Christmas visit or when were you home last? Um, it's been two and a half years since we were home. Uh, three and a half years since Joanne was home. So not, no, what, no, none of the family at home has seen the kids. Um, so the plan was to come home in July for the wedding. And obviously, my mom and dad had their 50th wedding anniversary 
my mom had her 70th birthday so we've We've missed a lot this year. Yeah, I guess they didn't really celebrate those events in any huge detail, no, did they? No, no, I know. How does that make no, you feel, no. though? Do you, do you does it sadden you? Does it make you angry? I mean, uh, things are tough enough down there as it is. Yeah, I mean, I suppose just that kind of feeling of um, just the quarantine and everything. Like it was impossible for us to even think about coming home at any point. Um, and when we cancelled the wedding, um, we just thought, look, give it another while, and obviously. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. There's nine of us as well. Um, I've got eight siblings. So yeah. It's, you know, we always have such... And are they all over the place or are the rest of them at home here? They're all in Ireland bar one brother I have in Denmark. So then yeah. there's myself and Joanne in Australia and the rest are at home. Yeah. So what will Christmas Day be for you and Joanne? Uh, well, we'll we'll have Christmas Day in our house. We do every second year. Um, so we'll have the kids over here. I mean, thankfully... Joanna's had the two kids because it makes it very special for us because it's about kids so that's that's good we're very lucky we have each other we'll throw the bird in the oven anyway (laughs) (laughs) you won't barbecue them no? no 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 we'll stick to the Irish tradition will it be a traditional Irish Christmas dinner then it will? oh it will yeah yeah aircon going it's kind of weird though isn't it? (laughs) It is, yeah. You never get used to it. You'd probably be more in the mind for a salad or something on Christmas Day, but you have to go for the turkey and ham. <laughs> you do. You have to. Yeah. Can you get? Can you get any any spiced beef down there or anything like that? No. No, not really. We just gotta do as much as we can. Make do with what's here. Well, Mam and Dad got in touch, Pat and Dennis, as you know, and they wanted me to say hi to you and to send a hamper down to you because no doubt you're missing Tato crisps and Bisto and the likes of Cadbury's chocolates and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that the case? That would be the case, all right. Is there no shop you can walk into and buy all that kind of thing? Oh, jeez, no, no. Well, I think if I rush for the post, I can DHL one that you'll hopefully receive this side of Christmas Eve, right? Oh, oh, that's excellent. Thanks, Neil. Something to look forward to. So hi yeah. to everybody back home then, I suppose, yeah? Yes, yes, yeah. Big hello to everyone at home. Well, listen. A happy Christmas to everyone. We're thinking of you all. And you too, and Joanne, and the kids, and the recent arrival, little baby Levi. Happy Christmas to you, Anne-Marie. Thanks so much, Neil. Thank look after you. Yourself. Happy Christmas. See you now. a beautiful song. It's a gorgeous version of Last Christmas. The one and only Stephanie Rainey as we send season's greetings to those overseas. Uh, text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. Sandra, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can. What is, ha- what is happening What is happening with this booster rollout, particularly at City Hall? Because day in, day out now, I'm getting texts from people who are going in there and being turned away because it's healthcare workers. What, what, what's your understanding of it? Oh, my God, Neil. I say I, it's just farcical at this stage. Myself and my husband, we went in to have our decided we'll go for a booster vaccine. You know, we were kind of humming and hawing. Should we get it? Shouldn't we get okay, it? Okay, but what are you of the age group and the right criteria? Oh, oh listen, we're in our mid fifties. Okay, so we're in the age group. I'm asthmatic, so we're very self conscious about you know what we've been doing for the last 20, 20 months. 
Um, my daughter only recently recovering from COVID-19. She's a, she's a 23-year-old fit young woman who goes to the gym twice, three times a week yeah. and has no underlying conditions and it just wiped her out. Go she away. So, yeah. I heard so that. Yeah. I know of people just like your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. she's back in work now and all, but she's still not 100%. Like she, like coming up the stairs now, it's like running a marathon to her. Okay, but what, did she ever have a bad flu that did something similar to I wonder? Neil, we're very conscious of that stuff. She's had her two vaccines. We get our flu vaccine for the last four years. So we try to keep it out of the house because my son is an asthmatic as well. So we're very conscious of all this stuff. And, you know, they've been, my, they young adults now, and they've been very good when they're out socialising and stuff, doing, doing all the right things. Did everything right. It's just it's just random the way this virus just yeah, got people and and can some people might get a sniffle. Other people can be very sick. Yeah, I mean I've but, heard on numerous occasions from people who would be very fit and healthy and no apparent underlying conditions who would say, absolutely. "Oh well, I was yes. double jab, but you don't want to get this. It's hell." It's, I mean, that I don't even know how myself and my husband escaped this because the minute she she kind of started feeling well, unwell, she had rang work and said, "I don't know what to do." And where she works, she's worked with vulnerable people. And they put her on straight away. Within two hours, she was had a PCR test. Less than, let's say, 20 hours later, she got her result back. Mad panic in the house. Now, she'd been isolating for the maybe the 20 hours beforehand. I know. So we, had, we were very conscious of all that. But the devastation and the shock that was in the house, you know, for everybody. Why? And, and because, you know, we were just so afraid. They were worried for me. I was worried for her because she was so sick. I couldn't believe how sick she was. We were so worried at one stage she might be hospitalised. I had rang my doctor. What should I give her? The norofin, the paracetamol, which she was taking. And eventually I had to ring again and she was put on steroids for eight days. So that's how sick she was. Mm. So, mm. you know, but um, to make matters worse now, and I, I mean, I know we're going to, and I've been debating, like, was it to go for the booster? Because, you know, there's so much talk about it and, no, I'm definitely going to go for the booster. And we decided we were going to go for the booster. And I left it go for the weekend because I said we were still kind of after coming out of isolation. But I said, just leave it another couple of days instead of going out mixing with people and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I know so that it was a case that over 50s were told, that, correct me if I'm wrong here, that they could walk in. Absolutely. Yeah. I had kept, che- kept checking the HSE website okay. on Monday evening, yesterday morning before we went out. We were in at five to nine yesterday morning. We dropped my son into work and we, my husband, parked up the car, went around. There was a few people in front of us because this is great. We won't be long going out here. There was people, there was mayhem. People were given out. That I, I felt sorry for the guy in, who was kind of, we call him front of house because I wouldn't say he was getting abused, but like people were, we're so annoyed. People are trying to do the right thing. I know. And we were all being no, that's away. why you know, and that's yeah. why I'm delighted to talk to you. So let me just jump in with a couple of texts. Actually, the backup what you're saying yeah. on your ten o'clock news, you were saying that the booster walk-in is open for fifty yeah. pluses, and that um, uh, this was the day to go. Myself, and my husband went up there yesterday, as the website said, be there between two and four for our age group could walk in. We were turned away as we were told it was only healthcare workers allowed, and they said the website is changed. Don't know what that means. We were told to come back on Saturday or Sunday. It's a waste of hours of people's time. We travelled by car, parked up in Q Park, then we're charged two eighty for the privilege, says Linda. Here's another one. Check the HSE website yesterday for a walk-in clinic. I'm 63. Went up to the City Hall this morning, this would be yesterday morning, and was turned away. They said it was for frontline workers only who were being given the jab. We were told, come back Saturday or Sunday, um, even though I had two text messages saying, go to your nearest walk-in clinic. 
came home, checked the website. Yes, they did update the changes last night. Checked Bantry Clinic, no walk-ins either. So it's Saturday or Sunday. So it's the wasted journeys and the confusion, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there were people, my husband has stopped his day off for yesterday, you know, stopped it for Monday, Monday to Tuesday. And there were people in front of us who had travelled and who had given up planes coming out of work and stuff like that. Yeah. They were mad because we, we updated, we made sure to get it 10 minutes before we left the house. That is definitely has and who been sits been down in their busy lives and checks websites all of the time, like for well, updates? They don't. Well, like. They hear an announcement and they follow it. Yeah, because the, with the carry on of the so far skill, we said we just keep checking now just in case because you know the way this is going at the moment and nothing had changed, nothing had changed until we got to the door. And were you people know, very annoyed then at oh, City Hall? I mean, there was 15 to 20 of us turned away at, on the spot. So we were there for five to nine. I don't know what went on for the rest of the day. But we, I was so annoyed, you know, after coming home, I had tried to make an appointment and my local chemist around the area couldn't get an appointment. I had rang my own GP who wasn't doing the booster. Um, mm, I know, I, I know. But when I came home yesterday, I was so mad. I said, what am I supposed to do? I was so terrified. I said, we, we're, we had a lucky escape that we didn't take it off myself and my husband and myself. But and are you, why doctor. you're terrified because you think that you'll have the same reaction if you get sick that your daughter did, is it? Well, well that's it, because I am asthmatic and I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged now at this stage, you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, I, I don't, I, my, my daughter said, Mom, if it was an older person or a vulnerable person, I don't think they'd make it. That's how sick she felt, you know? Now, to be honest with you now, Neil, I, we got a bit of bad news last night. My neighbour next, next door to me, his brother passed away last week of COVID, a young man in his late 40s and his other brother passed away yesterday at 55 years of age. COVID as well? COVID, no underlying uh, conditions, both double vaccinated and two of them were two young families. Two brothers died? Two brothers in the space of 10 days. I mean, uh, mean, it's just devastating. It is, isn't it? Particularly when you say that they were fit and healthy young men. Uh, I mean, they, they they were young men you know, late 40s, early 50s, getting on with their lives with their families. Thank well, you. Pe- you well, people, people will be roaring and screaming, why aren't the vaccines working to keep people uh, like those alive? This, this, this is what I'm, you know, I kind of given out about, not, you know, about the booster and then at the same time, I hope I'm doing the right thing, you know, that kind of a way. I'm just, I'm going to say, look, I'm, I'm going to have to just keep my fingers crossed and hopefully it works. You know, but that's. I know, it's just. An, yeah, yeah, it's an awful thing to be living in fear like that, you know, or petrified. Yeah. yeah. But so. But when so, I did come home, yeah, when I did come home yesterday, I just had to write around my own doctor and just say, look, is there anything that they could do? Because they told us the situation, what happened. And she said they were working on it at the moment about the booster dose for our age group. And she said she'd get back to me. But is the word to go did, out now? She, she got yeah. back to you and what, said what? She did. So she um there's a rollout of booster walking clinic. Friday, but she made an appointment for myself and my husband for nine o'clock in the morning. Where? Where? Oh, of my own GP. Okay. So, is the word to go out now that people are wasting their time turning up at City Hall until the weekend? Well, I think that they've changed it now. It's definitely only health workers, okay. and I think it's um, Saturday and Sunday. It's eight eight a.m. to eight p.m. But should that could change again? By okay. Well, hold on there. I might have Noreen. Is Noreen there? Hi, Lee. Okay. You uh, actually did get a walk in yesterday, did you? I did, I did. I went in about 11 o'clock yesterday morning, myself and my son. My son took me in and I walked up. I said, I have no appointment. Uh, is that okay? And they said, yeah, join the queue. And that was great. I but, was done in and out in about 10 minutes. Obviously, I had to wait for 15 But uh, wait a minutes. second, are you a healthcare worker? 
No, what, no, and what, t- housewife, what, oven. what time was that? It was about eleven o'clock yesterday morning. Yeah. You see, I think I think they they made it up as they went along. I think they got so much abuse from nine o'clock until that woman went in and they said, Look, we have to let people come in. Because that's what they were advertising, people to come in for walk in. And they decided well, I to walked in anyway, mind. and I was done, and I'm out walking the roads now, and what? I'm telling you the truth, and that's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm delighted for you, but you heard nothing yesterday morning yeah. about healthcare workers only or anything like that. No, 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 no. My brother had been in. He had an appointment got, my eldest brother. Yeah. And he went in, and he came out, and he said, Noreen, there's no queue. Go in, will you? And yeah. off I went. Well, so that, just, that makes it all just sound like a lottery to me. Well, yeah, exactly I was delighted. I was delighted. I didn't even wash myself by. I went straight in. I ran in. <laughs> And I said, here goes, Jack run me in. And he did. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I forget I'm on air. Uh, I love it. Well said, Nori. Well said. Leave wash myself. I assume you took I off, I'm sure, I, I assume you took off your pyjamas, your negligee, your nightgown, oh, and you got dressed. I have none of that, boy. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> no. So anyway, I just, I'm walking the road out in ovens now, so with my little dog. All right, so, okay. listen, I said I'd bring you today. All right, Noreen, okay? thanks a lot. Hang in there, Sandra. Right, yes, listen, yes. let's uh, get started at the weekend so, with the GP. Yeah, yeah, right. just, just I think they're making it up as they're going along. I, they really are. I people think. Are, and people are so confused. And people were just so mad yesterday. The few people that I was with, and afterwards, they were, they don't people walked away. I don't know where they came from. Well, I mean, they didn't get it done yesterday, so that woman was very, very lucky. To very lucky, lady. Thanks, Noreen. Thanks, Sandra. Good luck to you and stay safe. Lines open 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. One or two other topics of, re- you know, we were talking about turkeys earlier this morning. From turkeys back to yesterday morning's programme regarding pigeons. If I have an update on the pigeon on the north side, I'll give it to you. But one of the questions being asked about this pigeon that smashed into the big patio glass um, and is being looked after now is, what do you feed a pigeon that seems to be wasting away? And I told you, somebody said, a hard-boiled egg chopped up very small. Somebody else said, try feeding the bird dry, uncooked rice or lentils. That would be tough, wouldn't it? Racing pigeons seemingly eat the, eat the same food as wild pigeons, and they would eat rice or lentils. Thank you for that. Just heard about your pigeon. It happened to me over a year ago. Tell the lady to feed it with sugar in tepid water. Crush cornflakes or put porridge oats in another separate bowl. This will help to keep the bird well until his owner is contacted. Another few couple of tips there as to what you feed um, a pigeon. I don't think uh, somebody was calling me stupid yesterday. I don't think Neil is stupid, uh, particularly any time he talks about COVID. I have a grandson age 12 with major heart problems. He's extra careful for a 12-year-old. No way will he go inside anywhere. There are crowds. Keep up the good work, says Marie. Thanks for that. I think it's awfully sad, though, at the same time, in spite of everything else, that you have a 12-year-old anywhere in Ireland who's living in fear of crowds or going indoors. Clearly he's obviously watching out for his heart problems but it's kind of sad at the same time. Uh, and then I uh, was ta- chatting with Sean uh, on air yesterday. He was home for a week from Tenerife. Delighted to hear Sean on the air. Could you wish him and his wife Sue and all his family a very Merry Christmas from a very old customer of his salon across from the courthouse all those years ago, Sean and Sue's. My mother is the late Catherine Herbert from Friar Street. Oh, what happy days and memories I have of a mother going into uh, Sean and Sue's every Thursday to have her hair set and her roots done. She'd come out of a salon looking like Marlon Monroe. <laughs> happy Christmas, Sean, from Regina, Simone and Dennis Herbert. 
uh, and that's from everybody in ovens. So thank you for all of that. Keep those lines open. From yesterday's program as well then, uh, we were talking about this 100 euro you're going to get off your ESB bill. I think it's pathetic, but I suppose every little helps. Anthony says, I never heard such a load of rubbish of this 100 euro credit or refund to the people's energy bills. It truly is the meaning of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Put up the energy bills and then give him 100 euro back. We're only going to get it back. We're only going to get back the extra we're paying anyway. I don't think I've ever heard such nonsense, says he. Um, and morning, and this is from Kathleen O'Donovan and Clonakilty, reminding everybody that I have turkeys and hams and spiced beefs to give away this week, courtesy of ourselves and McCarthy Butchers. I'd love some of your turkey and ham, as I have all the family home this Christmas for the first time in about five years. My two sons are back from Vancouver. Last year, I entered your uh, home from home hampers, you know, just like home on your show to send to Vancouver. You did read out my beautiful letter, but unfortunately, I didn't win. So hopefully I'll have better luck this year. Love the show, says Kathleen O'Donovan and Clonakilty. On the basis that you sent in a beautiful letter last year and didn't win, I will sort you out for a turkey, a ham and a spiced beef. For you and Clonakilty, it would be best to come up. I'll get the voucher to you, but your best protocol would be McCarthy's uh, family butchers at Hawks Road in Bishopstown. So you're sorted due to your persistence, Kathleen. Congratulations. But another fella who's in trouble and needs help, because um, God knows I do get them just ahead of that. Like, here's an example of somebody who needs help. James says, please, 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 capital letters, I've left it too late to get a PlayStation 5 and the wife will absolutely murder me. I don't want to draw her on me now. Can anybody please help this poor man? says James, looking for a PS5. I'd say you possibly have left it too late, but you'd never know. Maybe some, maybe some shop somewhere still has PlayStation 5s. So in order to protect you from the wrath of your wife, does anybody know of one? Text 0868104106. I'd be amazed if they did. But what do you give as a gift? That's a question that Robert wants answering. Robert, good morning. You in a bit of trouble, you are? Oh, I don't know, Neil. Are we going to raise the level of the show or... Or drop the liberty. Well, let's find out, shall we? <laughs> We've we, we serious, serious situation. I'm, I'm not speaking for all the men in, in Cork and Munster, but I'm sure they're going to be listening to this now. What do you buy the wife for Christmas? <laughs> well, what like, kind of hints has she been given all year long? Well, I know one thing for certain, Neil. You cannot buy them a Hoover because you, you could probably you probably get killed. You can get a belt and a hoover. You don't you give family... I learned that years ago. You don't give family... You don't give house appliances a Christmas gift. No. I gave you a hands-free telephone once years ago before mobile phones and I was nearly strangled by it. Can't buy a wheelbarrow? For a woman? No. Well, well, but, well, you could, well, you could if she likes gardening. Neil, it could, could, it could lead to trouble, you know, because you're, you're, you're kind of... You're, you're going down the road of the Hoover and the wheelbarrow and that kind of it's work, you know what I mean? So then... Were you I, contemplating a wheelbarrow, though? No, 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 because I actually have a wheelbarrow from work and I gave her, I gave her one, you know, just alone one there one time and I had to buy that one myself. But, but, yeah, that's, that's but did she, wait a second, because <laughs> what did she want the wheelbarrow for? Well, my wife is a great gardener and she, she goes out in the garden there under someone she'd be, little, she'd be tossing around with the wheelbarrow and, you know, she had her own little thing. But anyway... Get him back to the present, Neil. Oh, I, hang on a second. He's staring in the face there, man. Get her a gift voucher for a garden centre. No, no, no. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the gift voucher can, can you can get a seriously funny look in the morning, Christmas morning, if you give a, a gift voucher. You, you either, you could get the look like, hmm, this is a kind of a cop-out though, like, or if it's a gift voucher for something she already has, 
you know what I mean? You're but so, maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm missing something. She loves gardening. It's her passion. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, <laughs> I know that. Listen, I'm definitely trying to get something this year. So gift vouchers are off the table, are they, yeah, for men off, then? Are you saying men should not buy gift vouchers? You see, every year you, you give something that's the best ever. So like last, I know, for example, no, it was maybe the best ever Christmas and the present was the best ever. But how do you top that this year? What was it last year, Robert? Oh, well, unfortunately, last year, you know, I, I kind of got caught, Neil. I, um, I gave a few vouchers for hotel breaks and little meals out. and sure we still haven't used them, like. And how did that go down when you gave her the vouchers for the hotel breaks? Well, it went down well, like, but there was a short little things in as well, you know, and... Um, I, I, I just I can't really remember Jew, Jew, jewellery maybe you know maybe uh, 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 kind of you know you can only buy so much jewellery she has only so many fingers I can okay. <laughs> okay so a voucher or anything to do with her passion is off the table nothing to do with gardening no yeah. home appliances nothing for the kitchen no no no, no. no hoover or vacuum I mean you, no. you you could spend big money on a Dyson for instance would that get you over the line spend no, 600 no, bucks no 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 no, no, no. She, okay. she, she thinks it's a waste of money right? okay how, how is she with regards to clothing does she like her bit of style very very dangerous area there no need to find close women <laughs> Like if you buy if you buy something that's too small, you know what I mean. Like you're saying, uh, you could she could feel maybe I don't know bad about it, trying it on or if it's too big or like that's a dangerous area. But can you not when she's out of the house go to her wardrobe or go to her side of the wardrobe or whatever and look at the sizes on her dresses? Well, I'm like you, you could do that like her. You, you could go down the dark route like and start looking at the sizes of her underwear. But by G and Neil, you'll be very careful then going buying underwear then as well. You could be accused of being, you know, it's it's rifling through your wife's underwear drawer. I <laughs> know <laughs> you can't buy chocolate because she, she because you know it could be bad for them. Like it, so so it's, no it's, chocolate, no underwear. No. No clothing because you get the size oh. wrong. No wheelbarrow. Incidentally, what about a what about a lawnmower? A sit on a sit on lawnmower? Could you have? You no, few no. Bar- she, she, my missus, she wants to walk behind the lawnmower to exercise. All right. And is the, the is, is, okay? Does she cut the grass? Oh yeah, yeah. She loves doing it. And she makes oh. a great job for Donald. And you, you've got a keeper there, pal. You don't have to do any of that, no. <laughs> I know. <it. laughs> That's why I want to buy her something good this year. I can't think. Okay. So no jewelry because all her fingers are taken up with jewelry that she's already. <laughs> what about? Uh, what about? Hang on a second. I got a great text in here. Text in, lads. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Somebody said if she loves gardening, why don't you get a trip? Flights, hotel accommodation for the two of you to the Chelsea Flower Show. Yeah, you see, I. That's oh a man, great you idea. can't, you can't burst no, that no, bubble. Yes, that, that's, that's a great, a great idea. idea. But with the COVID, you see, we don't know what's happening in the future, so we have to kind of. Are we going? Are we going planning so for next year or what, Neil? Or what's the story? Because if that's the case, there is options, all right, you know. But I'd like to buy something personal, and it's. I'm, my, my, my brain is fried. But you out. do know that with the clothing items, you can get a mm-hmm. thing called a gift receipt. Do you know what that is? It's the receipt without the money spent on it. And she can go back and change it. But you see, see if you give clothes and they're not right Christmas morning. It's like giving your child something that they don't want, you know? You, 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 the whole day could be ruined, right? Jeez, you've me, you've me stumped. You won't do a weekend break. You won't do a hotel. You won't do any jewellery. You won't do clothes. You won't do underwear. You won't do anything for the garden, which is her passion. You won't give her a lawnmower. You can't give her a hand. You can't give her a, 
uh, wheelbarrow. <laughs> what's what's left? Uh, there has to be something, Neil. And uh, what about the, the, your two ladies there? What are they getting? Or, or yourself? Are you by your wife? Have you sorted out yet? Um, I, I'd have to I'd have to check in with her to tell you what I'm buying her actually because because <laughs> if I if I if I say it on the air there might be trouble. <laughs> but like, had, had you trouble this year? No, thinking of something. Um, as I say, I'd have to plead the fifth on that one until after 11 o'clock until I ask her. If I can share the story, then I will, but I'd need permission for it otherwise, because I need to go home this afternoon, you know. I want, I want it to be a safe I, I, environment. <laughs> I need to go home as well. I know that. And she's listening now to mom to guarantee it. She's a great woman, Neil, but, you know, I this, this, I'll this tell you what, right? You hang in there. I'll encourage people to text. Yes. 086-8104-106 as to what Sean should give us better or Robert should give us better half this Christmas time and we'll see what we've got after 11 alright good man Neil thank all right, you alright my man so hang in there have a cup of tea we'll come back after 11 hi it's Connor. join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red bringing you the biggest the best and newest names in Irish music get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now 1850-104-106 Red FM and it's day three of our giveaways in association with the Blue Haven collection and it's great actually because we have three winners every single day so callers 10, 11 and 12 win just before midday today and today we are featuring 100 euro vouchers that you can spend in any of the Blue Haven collection locations that could be the Blue Haven hotel itself put it towards an overnight or have lunch or dinner or maybe lunch and a couple of drinks whatever the case may be or you could uh, do the same and stay at the Georgian Old Bank Townhouse in Kinsale or spend it at the new addition which is Vicky's Kitchen and Garden in Sundayswell it's beautiful up there in that part of Sundayswell and I was saying nice way to travel there would be get in a walk as well through Fitzgerald's Park and over the Shaky Bridge and up you go you'll enjoy it so three winners this morning 100 euro vouchers each and it's quite straightforward not a bother it's a lot more straightforward than Robert's Christmas present but all you're identifying is the Christmas film and have a listen Alright, straightforward enough I think Maybe it's on your Christmas watch list again this year Year in, year out So we'll open the phone lines Three winners, callers 10, 11 and 12 When we open the phone lines just before midday Meanwhile, keep those texts coming Text 0868 104 106 And I see a lot of them coming in already Robert has a bit of a conundrum on his hands As to what to buy I suppose, what to buy the woman has, who has everything at this stage Wouldn't you agree? So, we've ruled out jewellery Yeah? Gardening, clothes, underwear, vouchers, hotel breaks. Am I missing anything there, Robert? No, 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 you're you're on. Okay, we've ruled out. um, What about a sun holiday? Would you believe this? I booked one of those last two. Was it last year when the thing all started and lost it all because you know the Ryanair debacle? Um, Booked a holiday to Grand Canaria. And sure, we were we were told, you know, we couldn't fly like so. Okay. It's, it's just the COVID is causing the problem. A lot of things yeah. are off the table because of re- restrictions yeah. or COVID or whatever yeah. the hell is coming. Okay, what? Uh, Seamus actually texted me. In fairness to him, he says, uh, "I feel awful for Robert and worse for myself." He said, "I'm getting the wife a Fitbit." Oh, I bought her one last year. He went to up in the up in the dressing table. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she just thinking like. What about a piece of art? No, I like art myself. Um but um no I see I keep you know, coming back to the garden, you know. Oh yeah, she's a great very, very hard worker. 
and you know values money Neil and you know if you like we are well, we all value money now Neil and it's hard got like so we're not going to throw away our money so when we when we spend it we want to do it right oh, well, okay I'll do the texts in a few seconds why didn't you oh. just give her money then that look again Neil you know you know the look you get like when you kind of you know did you really is it, yeah or, you okay. just you just told me she loves money I no 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 I don't mean loves money as in wants it all you know what I mean no 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 we're, I'm happy with what we have and we're we're both happy that we're but it's just a, it's it gives an effort like do you like, think there's a lot of men like you now struggling like yes. you are right now yes I'm speaking for, I'm not speaking for all the men in Cock and Munster but what I'm saying is I speak for myself and they're listening because I understand there's a problem with COVID and we all love our wives Neil. And we want to give them something nice to do. Okay, here's the selection of texts to 0868104106. Is she sentimental? Get a jewellery box that plays your first dance from your wedding when it opens. Do you even remember your first dance from your wedding? I do. I do because, Neil, I'll tell you what I did. And I tell you, this is a cute one now. I got married on my birthday, so I'll never forget the anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) You're a smart one, all right. (laughs) What was the first dance? Um, I can't, I, 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 I can't really remember that no Neil but not um, can I to be absolutely 100% <laughs> honest not can I <laughs> no, it was a good dancing I need ok here, here's some more you should give her a limitless credit card um, you should give her afternoon tea voucher upgraded with Prosecco for her and her friends I like that I, I like that has she got buddies that like to sup a drop of Prosecco Mm, she, she would have, I suppose, but I, I'm not. I, I I don't really know. Like, um, she's kind of private person. She's got okay. So she wouldn't. Like, she wouldn't fancy you then, naked, wrapped in a red bow. Me naked. <laughs> That's a text. Me. Now I'm not suggesting it. It's a text. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. No, okay. No, no. Tell him buy her books if she reads. Or perfume if she likes scent. Suggest a present of a handbag from Brown Thomas. Give her a weekend spa break. Um, one for all gift cards. Solve all problems, says Dennis. Here's another man in the same predicament as you, oh. Dennis, giving a one for... That's that's a serious cop-out, is it? Jeez, and uh, um, see the problem there? Is that she actually... Lately, she, she, she won uh, one for all voucher. I can't go down that road. That's that's as bad as cash then, or a gift voucher, I suppose. Yeah. Tell tell Robert he should give his wife a luxury spa weekend break with the full works, massage, facial, everything. Especially since she's the one who does all the hard work. Says Anita, a spa break. Getting some good ideas here for you. I don't yeah, know whether yeah, you're, yeah, I don't know whether you're taking. Does his wife like walking? Why not buy her a good watch so she can count her steps? Well, she's not yeah, using the Fitbit. Fitbit. What about yeah. shoes? Buy that's tested, tried and tested Nikes are got long ago and they're Okay. I suggest Robert should get a plane ticket for himself to get away so get a plane ticket for her to get away from him. Oh Jesus wife. Oh that's just me. <laughs> um for a Christmas present for Robert's wife, how about some kind of a live show, as in a concert or an event in the Opera House or the INEC in Killarney? Make a weekend of it. And somebody, and somebody else suggesting no vouchers. It has to be an actual present. I like getting face creams because they're expensive. You couldn't buy a woman face cream because she'd be making out you were saying that she's wrinkles. That's the problem. But then again, you can buy stuff. Then there are facial serums and, and, and that kind of stuff that we get you on the air and, you know. 
I suppose Neil, just like this, you know, we're always sort of each couple are always looking after each other during the year, and you buy stuff and you pick up stuff. And what do you get? Um, well, I must say no. For my birthday this year, I got the best present ever, ever from my wife and my son. I got a portable radio that I can bring to out on the side of me, and I can listen to the radio every day. <laughs> Best present I ever got. <laughs> okay, let's do a Makita radio. Yeah, absolutely so brilliant. You you think that's fantastic, but if you got something like that for your wife, there'd be war. Like what? What about what about a brand new set of tires for the car? Uh, well, then yeah. You love her so much, tell her you want to keep her safe. No, seriously. I mean, you're looking after her. It's it's a lovely gesture. Yeah. Said going to Desi's tires, get four new tires for her. Wrap them up and put them under the Christmas tree. No, there's going to be texting again. Neither would it. No, because they're, they're, you know what I mean. That's that very um, um, personal and feminine, is it? Or whatever. Like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a funny one to share for some reason. I don't know because of COVID, it's difficult. You could get flight vouchers um, for Aer Lingus or Ryanair or KLM or whatever to be spent at a time of her choosing. Oh man, I'm worn out. I can't do no more. I know you're fair play to you're playing a blinder, but um, well, it's not just me. I'm, I'm reading out a lot of texts from people who are trying to help you. Anyway, to yeah, answer no. to answer your question, you asked me um, what did what was I getting my wife or what does she want oh. for Christmas? So, are you still interested in that? I am. Okay, because I, I had to I had to check there to see if it was okay, but I'm told drive on, not a bother. Um, I'm, I'm told that she doesn't want any more stuff, right? Yeah. She doesn't want any more stuff things like like we would always get what she wants um, you're not going to believe this do, do you ever hear slide robes hello I did okay. alright well they're fantastic right because we've got these big old clunky um, pine wardrobes you know they're awful things they're falling apart the doors yeah. don't close and everything's falling out of them so she wants slide robes not made by slide robes because there are companies here in Cork that make them just the same as slide robes. I'm quite sure the slide robe, but you know the term I mean, which would be fitted wardrobes with glass fronts. Yeah. That's, that's what she wants. And I've been kind of asking over and over again for the last few weeks. I know, you, I know we can get those anyway, but surely be to God you want a real Christmas present as well. And the answer that keeps coming back to me is no. I don't want stuff. This is what I want. There's a company down in Little Island. She's given me the number of it. She says, go down to them. They have all of the measurements. I have given them the measurements. Go, t- go down and order them. That's what I want. And I'm saying, that's fine if I do that. But I know that on Christmas morning, there'll be, not murder, because she's not that kind of a gal, like, but I, I feel that there'll be disappointment. I, I can see where she's going with this. Has she been asking you to sort it for months? So, like, really, the best Christmas present would just get it done. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so going to do it this afternoon. I can understand where... No, the, and actually, Philip in Maglin Kitchen did my slide ropes. They were excellent as well. Oh, did? Philip in Maglin Kitchens, he did my but slide But I'm not going to get them in by Christmas Eve now, No, probably not at this stage, no. But no, I wouldn't... Like, she's dead right. She just wants it done, especially if she wants it for ages. But I, I, she's a better woman than I am because I wouldn't be happy with slide ropes. You see, I that's certainly the thing. Wouldn't. And I believe that deep down, there still would be disappointment... Oh, for with, sure. with um, sliding wardrobes. Yeah, no, I know. And they won't be there exactly. Here's your voucher, love. 
kiss under the mistletoe for slide ropes not a hope there's a nice idea here online I just found it's a hundred date scratch off poster it's kind of similar to your date night thing that you were talking about the, the, the date night cards but with this um, you give her a hundred date scratch off it's a poster and it's like a little lottery card so you might scratch off and it says dinner in a posh restaurant or you might scratch off night away or da 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 and for the year or whatever for a hundred nights of the year um, you get a date so maybe every Friday night and he has he'd to sort that though. then how brilliant is that but he'd be exhausted with all those dates I'm going to buy that for Alberto to put under the Christmas tree you see I think you could tell him that he'd, you could get Christy Moore to play in his back garden and she won't be happy you get an audience with the Pope and she won't be happy I think well, it's well, 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 you know I, I'm, I'm actually going down the same route now um, I have something in mind and I've told her right so I live out in the country and we've two Springer Spaniels two beautiful dogs now Jesse and Susie right and during the summer and this time of year we open the back door of the utility room just to leave a bit of fresh air into the kitchen okay <laughs> so I have come up with an idea that I'm going to fit oh, an old style half door to the back of the house <laughs> oh man you haven't a, a clue flap. you haven't a clue no, 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 I mean no, I'm no. bad but you're worse a half door <laughs> so that she can close the bottom of the door during the summer and the dogs will stay out and she can open the top of it and leave in a bit of fresh air. She'll set the dogs on you, man. No, she thinks it's a great idea. For she a Christmas present? just That's just something you well, just no, get done. Something I'm going to do for her, Neil. Like you're going to doing slide robes. And tis not I don't believe slide robes are a Christmas present, though. <clears throat> and I don't believe a, a, a half door in the back of the house is a Christmas present. But if you live out in the country, what about a milking cow or something? Or a couple <laughs> of pigs or half a dozen chickens? No, 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 no. She just... I'm, as I said, it's like your wife wants, I'm going to do, do something for her that will give a bit of pleasure down the road. Okay, I don't know if this has helped men out there who are struggling. I hope it is, some of the ideas that people are giving, but you're rejecting all of them. Where we go up? What about garden furniture? She likes the, she likes the outdoors, no? We have some from Henley's, Neil, and brilliant, I have to admit, no. What about, uh, do, you have old, do you have old vinyl? Like, Could you get a record player? Have you got a record player? Um, she, we have one, aren't you? You're yeah, a man. Yeah. You sound to me as if you've got everything. I don't know what to do with you. What about, what, hang on a second. What about, last chance, what about a turkey and a ham and a spiced beef? <laughs> oh, that, that's not a bad idea at all, do you know? <laughs> so if I, give, if I give you a turkey, a ham, well, half a turkey. You're giving her that present then, Neil. <laughs> turkey, ha- ha- a turkey breast, half a ham, and a spiced beef from McCarthy's in Bishopstone. All right. Oh, that's great. That's other, other than that, like, what about divorce papers? <laughs> no, 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 no. I love it too much, Neil. I tell you no. And if you know anyone in Cork that's making that would make me a half door, I I I keep the business in Cork. Yeah, you you, you can get someone door. to make you the half door, and I can try and find somebody who'll make me slide ropes. Anyway, listen, it's good for Neil and. Um, doesn't so- your, it doesn't solve your problem, but good luck with it. I, 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 you know something, it's only a bit of crack, Neil. <laughs> I have it all started as far as I can see. You know, I've, I have a good few suggestions then all this morning, so i got to get working. Let door, me know so. what you come up with. I see text still coming in. I'll get back to them a little <laughs> later on. <laughs> Cheers for now, Robert. Take care. Thanks, Neil. So this right, is right. Christmas. And what have you done? Keep those texts coming, text 0868 and we'll touch base with the Mary's been holding for an age. Mary, good morning. Hi, Neil. I'm sorry for holding my apologies okay. for that. Okay, okay. thank you, thank you. I can't you. believe I'm talking to you. Now, well, what's on your mind? What do you want to share? 
Now, I'm just going to share a little story that's a little bit of fun through all these hard times with COVID. Yeah. My sister and her husband are, and their three kids are all isolating at the moment with COVID. Now, two of her little boys are autistic and one of her, her oldest little boy, Aaron, when she was doing her online shopping last week, as you know, they can't go out, um, he, she went and left her laptop for a second and yeah. when she came back, he had pressed send with her shopping. <laughs> so she thought she'd done it for a second, but he got very upset. He had changed her shopping order from one box of party box of crisps to 187. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I just love it. And changed the cereals. It. He increased the cereals to two extra boxes that he liked. He's a smart lad, something. isn't he? Oh, he's a very smart lad. But <laughs> then he realised what he'd done because he was showing her, pointing at the crisps, you know. And she said, "It's okay, Aaron. It's okay. We, we, your crisps are coming tomorrow. They're ordered." <laughs> but he pointed to the bottom to show her the eight hundred and eighty-seven euro of the bill. <laughs> Ah, no! So she, <laughs> did she get to change it? She did, but oh. like she, rang her, she rang her local supermarket, but it was gone through Mudsbraves or something, so they had to try to get through to them. Anyway, long story, Like we, we, she got it sorted. Oh, end, damn it. I was hoping that a big truck arrived with 187 boxes well, of, of crisps. I, I can tell you, she wasn't hoping. So, <laughs> But it was just a funny story. You know, I think he was getting frustrated. He can't go out. And he was, oh, but at the God. same time, he, he realised what he'd done. Yeah, okay. He was lucky that he told her because otherwise the 187 boxes of crisps would have arrived. arrived. Yes, it would have arrived. That happened to me actually years back when the kids were very small. They were ordering. There was this craze years ago of these plastic sunglasses. They didn't have any glass in them. They had just these plastic lats in them, you know. And they were all the rage back in the day. So uh, they borrowed, I think somebody borrowed, one of them, I think maybe my wife and the two of them, borrowed my credit card to um, to buy oh. a pair of these glasses each. But for weeks afterwards, every single day for weeks afterwards, there was two more pairs of these sunglasses arriving <laughs> in the post. It went on for right. weeks on, it went on for weeks oh, on no. end. I mean, I don't know oh, how much no. it ended up cost. They were cheap old things, but it just went on and on and on for weeks. Well, no, we just, we got such a laugh out of it, but you know, it was funny. It was funny. At least she did get the boxes. I mean, your man in the supermarket told her, I don't think I've been able to fit 187 boxes oh, in. I wonder would they have checked or would they have just delivered 187 boxes with 24 with packets in each box? Well, with Christmas going on, there's a lot of, you know, extra staff and they might not have copped it. But, you know, he copped it, which was very clever of him. So I'm just saying, if you have any little treat that you could make his life... Well, I don't know. I don't know whether the family eat turkey, ham, and spiced beef. Oh, do they? They do. They do, and they're all locked down. You know, I think they've all got COVID. Every one of them have it at different stages. So the last one will be left out on Christmas Eve. So they, they, it's it's a bit. It's it would be fabulous. The whole family. Love it. The whole five of them have got it. Aaron oh, yeah. got it first, and then the rest got it one after the other. And are they Not in the city? East Cork, West no, Cork, North they're, Cork? They're in, you know, no, they're in North Cork. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, absolutely, I'll sort them out, Jenny, because oh, they're yeah. going to be they're going to be challenged enough trying to get any shopping done if they're all confined yeah. to barracks. But I just thought it was a lovely, funny story. You hear so much sadness for COVID, but this was a clever and he's part. Like, he's I know. Just, but, you know. But, you know, the, the sneaky part of me would love to, to have fed the 187 boxes delivered. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think she'd have loved to pay that amount. All right. Well, well, listen, Mary, get on to them and tell them you got them sorted with a little gift, all right? And I'll get a postal oh. address from you, okay? 
All right, Neil, cheers. Take care. It. Back after the break. Thank you, the Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, it would be good to find Cork's worst Christmas present. Did your wife or husband or partner buy you something awful? Did you ever receive something awful? We can organize some vouchers for those calls as well. So text on that. The worst gift you ever got or the worst gift you ever gave. Text 0868104106. Lots of calls on, on different topics and many emails. Just very quickly, just talking about, you know, 187 boxes of crisps arriving, which they didn't. They managed to cancel the order. Um, it's an interesting email that says, Morning to you all. I just need a little bit of help. I received a parcel last Monday from Amazon delivered by courier. It was for someone else. I'm now concerned someone is waiting on this and it probably is a substantial Christmas gift. The address is not far from me. I've tried three times to deliver it myself, but the resident's access is by keypad only. I would really like the rightful owner to have their parcel. Times are hard enough without paying for stuff and not receiving it. Don't know how the guy, the delivery guy got it so wrong. Totally different postcodes and numbers of houses that nothing matches. How many people is this happening to, especially the more expensive times of the year? It could be something cheap or inexpensive. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. It's paid for and it's not mine. Hope you can help. Uh, well, what came into my mind straight away, and I think you're talking about maybe somewhere down around um, uh, Silver Springs, Mayfield area, somewhere like that, maybe Montanati. Um, I would get back onto the courier company, have a look at the label on it and call them up. It's their issue and they will solve it. I mean, you've called around and they're not opening. So that's what I would do. I would get onto, uh, um, you know, the likes of DHL or what have you. I mean, it's an amazing thing happening to us because there is a neighbor in an estate not too far away from us whose English is very bad. And we keep on getting parcels, small little packages delivered for him. And he calls to the house then and collects them. And I've said to him over and over, you know, I said, you know, you, you really should get your address fixed because it's got uh, it's got my address and my postcode and his name on it. So I don't know how that ever happened, how he come to be using my address and my postcode. But it's going on and on and on for weeks. So the next thing I'll have to do, because I don't think the penny is dropping with this guy. He just calls me and I say to him, look, see this address? That's my address. You see this postcode? That's my postcode. So you need to change that to your address and to your postcode. And you'll get your own stuff rather than you having to come around to me to get it. But I suppose that's small cheese, really, when it comes to some of the problems having their lives these days. Anyway, just staying with the Christmas issue, because we've touched, touched a nerve on that one. Sinead. Hi, Neil. Now, um, you working in the Imperial at the moment? You at work? Uh, away? No, I'm off today. I'm sitting at home. Okay, so you have away. a day off. Nice time to get the feet up um, and maybe enjoy the fire. This is a fire-related story, though, isn't it? It's a Christmas present. Would you describe it as the worst Christmas present you ever got? Uh, from himself, yes, definitely. 20 bags of burning oh, timber, is it? Yes, for the fire, yeah. <laughs> now, considering it was the year that we had the really bad snow and I ended up staying in the hotel for the whole week, because anyone that does know me knows I don't like snow. I'm built for sun and flip-flops. Um, sun and flip-flops. <laughs> so I would not come out of the hotel and he stayed at home for the whole week, enjoyed burning everything in the fire I was stuck over. So in spite of it being an awful present, it's he got to enjoy he, it. He but, got the total benefit of it. But yeah, the 20 bags of burning timber, yeah. was it under the Christmas tree or what? He put it into the side of the house. So I came home and actually I'm working. He sent me a picture and he goes, your Christmas present away. Now I genuinely, genuinely thought he was messing. Nope. I got 20 bags of love for the fire. <laughs> But there, was, but there was something else, surely, besides that. No, genuinely, that's what I got for Christmas. <laughs> and how did you react to 20 bags of wood? Well, he's still alive. Um, I just laughed. Now, he did redeem himself the following year, so um, I do like to better my horses. 
So he bought me a share in the racehorse. So he did redeem him, which I think is class for somebody that enjoys that. Yeah. So He um, bought you the back end of a horse, is it? I think it's the tail I've got. But um, now it's weird. Like in fairness, hurling magic has won two or three races, came second in a few. So we're not doing too. What's the that. name of the horse? Hurling magic. Hurling magic. Magic. Yeah, Nicky Henderson trains it, so I didn't do too bad out of Aren't it. Aren't you very posh? All the same, owning I a racehorse. Can, yeah. <laughs> and um, do you have to contribute to the upkeep of the horse and the feeding no, of the horse? No, you don't. You just buy your share every year, so you just continue your shares. And you so get money when the horse wins. Yeah. Oh, I'm not a million year yet, like, but we're getting there slowly. That's that. How much would the half end of a horse cost somebody if they it, want it to? It depends on the um, what, how many shares are available, you know. Now, I don't know how many, uh, how much you pay because that would be telling on the Christmas present. Um, but yeah, it, it's good fun because you can sit down and watch the racing and scream for your own horse <laughs> instead of somebody else's, you know. It's a great So kid. he did well, redeem himself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> would we be talking hundreds or thousands? Uh, hundreds, I'd say. That's yeah. a lot of fun, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's good fun. It is. No, it was a pity because we would have loved to go over to see him race last year, but with COVID, we didn't. Um, so hopefully next year now we'll be able to... I like that kind of idea. I mean, can you it buy a share in a... Could you buy a share in a Grand Prix racing car, for instance? That, no, I don't know. Don't even start in that now because that's a Sunday afternoon here with the Grand Prix going on. Don't even open that kind of worm. And have you got something <laughs> sorted for him this year? Um, so I buy him every Christmas, we buy the three wise men, uh, which is three very expensive whiskies in our house. So every year he gets different types of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Is he a bit of a whiskey connoisseur then? Oh, he loves to say, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And like every year it's three different brands, three isn't it? Three different, yeah. So the three wise men arrive every Christmas, yeah. Three wise men. <laughs> and any idea what you're getting? Um, I know I got some of my Christmas presents, so um, he got me a Spanish lessons, which is very good. So I'm trying to do a little bit of uh, multilingual bits oh, and pieces. So anything else? Spanish lessons online. I don't know, you have to wait for Christmas. There's a lot of weeks to go. <laughs> but you know about the Spanish lessons, but there's something else going on. I know about that, he told me that, yeah. Might be the other side of the horse, maybe, the front end. The front end, <laughs> The one that's going to win. <laughs> All right, it's a great call. Let's see if anybody can beat 20 bags of, of burning timber. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Cheers. Take care, Sinead. Berg, good morning. Hi, good morning. Oh, I love nostalgic stories, and I love stories about Kilgrews. The, that's the toy shop in the North Main Street, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was your brother. Um, was it many well, years ago? Well, my brother is 16 now since September. His name is Mark O'Sullivan um, from Douglas. Um my mum, when he was about six, put away a fort, a soldier fort, for him in Kilgrews. Because, you know, when you pass them, you see the toys on the window, that's and that's right. what he picked up. Oh, sure, I know. And then she couldn't afford it. And um, she couldn't afford it. And in the end, she ended up buying him a gun and cap. And did he know anything thing. about the fort at the time? He did, I think, he did. And was she trying to pay away a week in, week yeah. out, put aside a bit of money, go in and pay off she a bit? She had an it? older boy, Val, my brother, he's a pastor now, and she, well, she had my sister, Colette, and then Rose and myself. But I don't think we were born at the... No, we weren't born myself in Rosary, but... Um, so she couldn't afford it, and then on Christmas morning... She bought him a gun and cap, and a holster, I think. So, <coughs> excuse me. 
both for 30 years after, well, every year afterwards. She was crying over the fort and every Christmas. She said, I never got him that fort, God love him, and he's a very good child and oh, he was a great son and she was crying all the time. Really? Yeah, and oh, I walked no. up in Apple and I was telling the girls one day up in Apple and um, one of the girls, Margie Collins, she said, Bear, why don't your mum get him the fort now? Yeah, but he's probably about 50 <laughs> years old, is he? No, he was 36. Okay. He had four children yeah. at the time, so it was 30 years later. And I'm living in the family home now in Fairhill. Yeah. And um, it was 30 years later, and we, we went to fourth up behind Churchfield. I, I went up with her, and then we explained to the man, and he made a big grey fort with the young fellas up there. Really? They the made time, the fort in Foss? They made the like, fort ca- like carpenters, is it? A wooden fort, like, you know, the young fellas now that were doing um, fast courses. So they made the fort anyway, fine big fort. That year there was something about the Thai soldiers, something about the paint on them, and you couldn't get the soldiers. So we were after checking everywhere. But my sister, Rosary, she had a little boy, so she searched and searched her house for little soldiers and guns and whatever to put around the fort for Christmas morning. Yeah. So he's living in Douglas now, and he had four kids. He had four kids. And he came up Christmas morning, and it was under the Christmas tree. Under your mam's Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about his reaction. Asher, he's one of his... I have a videotaped. Um, He cried like he had one of his children up in his arms, and uh, he was hiding behind the child, you know. He was just... Because, like, every Christmas, Daddy used to come here when he got married and had children. She would say, God, I love us, my friend, go mad and never got you that for often. <laughs> your mother just wouldn't her. let it go, like... So she was the best. She was the best. And has you your mum passed away since all this beautiful my story? My mum passed away, yeah. My mum has passed away 22 years on January. Uh, and she did, did My brother, Val, died in um, the November. My mum died nine weeks after him. That's the kind of mother she was, like, you know. She, she pined away. Her children. She pined away. Yeah, that's we a beautiful. I'm not sure because he died coming up to the millennium, and we were getting the there was no downloads that time. He's 22 years dead, and in the end, we my dad, my brother Mark, now the boy I'm talking about, went up to you up 96 FM to mm. get he and Heavy. He's my brother. To be clear, that he's still really the Hollies. Oh, I gave you a recording of the Hollies. He ain't heavy. He's yeah. my brother. I remember and that. My sister was at here when he was dying for because the radiotherapy machine was broke down in the CUH, and my brother Mac was lifting in his arms out there. That's amazing. Mm. That's amazing. It's that's such a long, yeah. long time ago. Um, and I'm so sorry to hear about that. But it sounds like a beautiful family and very close to each other. When when your mum well, knew that when you one another no, so like, Oh sure I'm, that's just the way it is. But <laughs> when your mum found out that you made the fort, how did she no, feel? She, made, she, yeah, thought, she came with me. Like, oh she also went up to, to oh, Foss yes, with you. Yeah, she was part her, of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Or she had to she had to pay for it then, you know, no one else could do a thing. She was buying it then, she thought it was a great idea after 30 years. I wonder, is there and a photograph of the fort? I'd love to see a photograph of it. Are they still looking after I it and they still have it? still have it, like, you know, but I'm not sure whether he still have it. I have it on videotape, but like that now will be the old VCR uh, tape, like, if you know what I mean. I know, but I you never know. know. Ask him, you might have. What's your brother's name? 
Mark O'Sullivan. Mark, maybe Mark and Douglas still has it. I'd say he does. It's a treasured yeah. possession because it has a beautiful yeah. story behind it. Oh, and fantastic. I'd say, the, I'd say the gun and holster are well gone, but the fort is probably still yeah. in good well, nick. he's 16 out in September <laughs> and he was 36 when he got it, so 24 years ago. That's a beautiful story. Two years later, like, so I'm glad she did it. That's a beautiful, you know? beautiful story. Do you mind if I give you one of our vouchers for that gorgeous story of yours and you can pop down to McCarthy's Meats? The one that nearest you, I would think, would probably be Grona Braher, all right? Yeah, we'll I didn't ring for that. No, no you know you didn't, but I'm encouraging story. people to share stories and, for, and, and and in return then to reward them for the stories if I can. So we got a turkey breast for you, half a ham, a spiced beef. Keep it for yourself. Give it to Mark. I don't mind what you do. Yeah, it. perfect. Lovely story. Perfect. Thanks, Bert. Cheers. Thanks Take care. Much. Right across this week, you can share your stories. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Happy days in Kilgrews. Today, we have three 100 euro vouchers for the Blue Haven collection. You can spend them in Kinsale, in the Blue Haven. You can spend them in the townhouse in Kinsale. You can also spend them in the new edition, which is Vicky's Kitchen and Garden Sunday as well. And you can have uh, on Friday an opportunity to win a bottomless brunch for six people to enjoy at Vicky's is Sunday as well. And you're listening out for our cue to call which is only about five minutes away. Listen, be careful when you're inside in town. I was telling you yesterday, uh, we had some texts from people saying that there's always a scam going on somewhere. And there's a woman in town who apparently is pretending to be, uh, I can't remember now whether she's pretending to be, I think it's pretending to be deaf. Um, this is what I'm told anyway. Uh, and two young fellas, her, one of the, one of the lads' mothers got on to me yesterday. She says, regarding the woman scamming in town, I can't talk, but, I wouldn't like it to happen to anyone because it happened to my son and his friend and they were very embarrassed that they got caught. Uh, they realized too late, but the woman was so pushy. Here's what happened. They actually gave her two euro first, but she wouldn't take the two euro and insisted on banknotes. She took the money from their hands. There were two green schoolboys got badly caught. Hopefully it's a lesson learned. She calmly walked away from them and straight up to the next person she saw, which was an elderly lady. She picks on soft touches. Anyway, beware if you're knocking around town. Uh, and then a fast one here with regards to uh, listening to one of your callers yesterday with regards to uh, being caught. The same thing happened to us, but we were caught twice or indeed robbed twice on our way to get the antigen test done that we didn't need in the first place. My husband's wallet was stolen. So we were robbed once, not twice on the same day, says Colette in Balancholic. Lines open, you can text 0868104106 and Ross is on line three. Ross, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Thanks for holding. Um, tell us of your boyfriend and all of these different gifts years ago. Oh, for God's sake. I bought him, we were living abroad, and I bought him, because I was mad about him, a beautiful leather jacket, a computer chess set, which back in the 80s didn't exist. So it was really, really expensive. And a very expensive pair of Adidas sneakers. I love it. Um, great gifts. The yeah, leather jacket great. would have been all the rage in the 90s, for sure. Oh, it was gorgeous. Was it, was it black? It up from the south of France. It was black. It was gorgeous. It was the supplest, softest of leather. And we were back home in Cork for the holidays, sitting with all my family, and I opened my gift from him, and it was a dancing Coca-Cola can. If you cast your mind back to the 80s, Remember those things you'd put them up on the speaker and they used to rock back and forth? I like take your word I take your word for it. I remember the crazy fish that you'd hang on the wall. Yeah. That kind of be- a- Oh god, it was even before that. It was like a Coca-Cola can and, and it was soft. 
and you put it on a speaker and it would dance back and, and forth. And was that it? Just the Coca-Cola can that danced? That was it. No rings, no nothing, no small surprises hidden anywhere. That and did it. you dump him like radioactive waste? No, no, no. Sure, I was mad about him. No. <laughs> no. You kept him for another while, is it? I kept him for another while, yeah. Sure, I repeated the same thing then years later with another dope. I bought him a leather <laughs> jacket and a really good iron sweater. And he gave me the cheapest pair of earrings that he made that probably didn't cost him three euros. What is it with men like? Were they mean? Uh, nah, I just fall for stupid ones. Are they just unimaginative or what? Uh, yeah, probably that. Yeah, yeah. Or not caring. I don't know. I hope the but, presents yeah. got better as you got that little bit older. <laughs> well, the boyfriend's got less. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm endeavouring to find out Cork's worst Christmas present, either received or given, and that one is right up there, a dancing Coca-Cola oh, can. <laughs> I know, it was fairly... And, and in front of my family, it was... Mortifying? Mortifying, because, like, oh, I know, you, you might know my family, Bonner. So oh, the Bonners, I know. I, oh, sure, I know you, Ross. I know your brother exactly. Liam as well. Fair play. Right. Exactly. The whole family sitting around looking at me. Yeah. Making up excuses. Oh, no, he's giving me a better one tonight. I know, yeah. There's an engagement ring coming next week. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers for that. Happy Christmas yeah. to you, Ross. Take you care. You too. Cheers. Take care. Be good. Bye-bye. Prendival show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. That's another day down, guys, and we have three more winners, each winning a 100 euro voucher for the Blue Haven collection, and that is Vivian Horry from Tremor Road, Noreen McGrath, Maryborough Estate in Douglas, and Dave Ford from Woodview, Camden Road in Crosshaven. Congratulations to all of you. We have more gifts to give away. Three more winners tomorrow. These are overnight stays for two at the Blue Haven Hotel in Kinsale next week and on Friday, the Bottomless Brunch for six of you at Vicky's in Sunday as well. I wonder is it that I wonder is it that men struggle more with regards to buying gifts than women. I, I don't mean to generalize against all men because some are fantastic, but others then sometimes we lack imagination or thought. Like fella says, if you really believe that the woman in your life tells you, I don't want a gift, don't believe it. It's a trap. You're letting yourself in for a trap. Don't believe it. But keep the text coming nonetheless. Text the best and the worst. 0868104106 and we'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.